everybody welcome back to another episode of don't give up the ship podcast this is episode 71 uh today i am talking to a new listener basically uh he discovered the podcast recently after having gone through a pretty interesting experience um in his development as a chief and we'll get into that but basically it's focused on the concept of acceptance through the lens of what I talked about during the teaching to the creed episode on acceptance. So if you haven't listened to that, I would recommend listening to that first, just because we reference it a lot. Uh, so it'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about. But uh, basically the concept of it being a symbolic exercise and then the kind of pitfalls of not viewing it that way. And, and he shares his story and some of the challenges he went through and how he recovered from it. And I just thought it was a really interesting story, uh, like him sharing his experience. And I think that a lot of chiefs and even prospective chiefs could get a lot out of this uh, so that when you go into it, you're even more prepared to experience it. And then so that if you have a, had a negative experience in the past, uh, you may be able to relate to this and at least get some comfort in knowing that you're not alone for one. And then maybe just some like tips on how to deal with it and, and work through those, some of the resentment that can come from it. But just a really interesting dude. Uh, really happy to have him on. And uh, I'll let the rest of it speak for itself. So check it out. All right, man. So like we talked about already. So just start with a little background information to provide context, as much detail or as little detail as you would like to provide. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm a, uh, I'm a Corman Hospital Chief and I... A Corman Hospital Chief? Is that Corman new? Hospital Chief? Hospital Corman new? Chief? I don't know, man. Look at me. Look, we've been <laughs> doing this good. for 13 seconds. I'm already screwing <laughs> That's up. That's what editing is uh, for. <laughs> no, I'm a, so I'm a Hospital Corman Chief. Um, been in for 14 years and, you know, change now. Um, mostly focused in the FMF side of things when I'm on uh, sea duty, been in division, been with, uh, the air Marine air wing overseas in California. Um, and when I've been on shore, I've either been at moderately small clinics or, uh, like kind of support commands. I've never really done the, the big hospital thing. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I'm much more, my experience at, le- at least has been much more intimate with the leadership that I've interacted with, right? Like I've never had a commanding officer that was outside of my touch that I, that I right, felt yeah, like, like direct access. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. I saw that's, all the time. That's what, yeah, that's what's weird for me when I talk to like surface chiefs or just anybody that's in like a really large scaled community. It's like, I, that's like me. I could walk into my CO state room and talk to him whenever I want. And it's, I always have, and also my juniors always have like super easy access to me. So it's right. kind of weird sometimes where like, yeah, problems or just challenges that come up and they're like, well, there's seven layers of supervision or whatever chain of command. Yeah. Like structure between them and their and their CEO. So, yeah, like yeah. my my first duty station, right? Like HN blah, blah, blah was at this clinic that I think had maybe 15 staff there. Yeah. And the like it was one of those retirement commands for everybody in the leadership position right like you go there it's a twilight tour situation yeah so nobody really um was like super in the weeds (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and nobody was too worried about whether or not hn myself went into the cmt's office or or whatever right um so you know when i and and that has that 
really fundamentally formed a lot of my leadership beliefs in, in like mantras, right? Is that right. unfettered access, yep. uh, 100% transparency only helps in any situation. I've never, I've never seen a situation where like transparency ended up being yeah. a bad thing. I mean, there's, yeah, it's very rare because I do all, I, I, everything's subjective in certain ways. So sure. it's like, there's, there's t- moments where like, it's, n- I don't think there's a lot of value added to me briefing the E fives at the command where everybody ranked before evals are signed or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, or like <laughs> right. how they shook out, like what chief so-and-so said during a junior say or the quarter board or whatever. There's certain things that are definitely like privileged for a reason. And it's more like a maintaining good order and discipline and to a certain extent, like sparing people's feelings. But, um, yeah, right. like I don't think there's any value added. Like you just are going to create chaos. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, and so I'm curious, and and I'll just kind of like tee you up to provide background on the on one of the bigger reasons why I want to talk to you. And like I wouldn't doubt that we talk more than once. But <laughs> the like the chief season stuff for you when you were selected to chief, which was 2019, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, actually, I should probably not put that in there because that's going to provide enough detail for people to stalk you how do i add a i mean the story the story is going to be so specific okay, anyway so it doesn't people matter. are going to find it well, i don't I still think to... that my year group is going to be a big deal but i mean okay. if you want to edit it out that's whatever fun. all right yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll look at it but um so yeah so the i'm, I'm curious i want to know kind of the story and and really like we are we've already talked on the phone previously but i want to get the story uh recorded so so that the we can go from there and talk about the lessons learned and how it how it like altered your outlook, just like you described the context from your first command is like you went into a chief season uh, and for the reason I'll let you explain, did not participate in the acceptance uh, ritual that we do. Um, and I and I've talked at length and I'll link the uh, the acceptance episode from teaching of the creed, which is something that you, that you kind of struck you because of that. And then we got going down this thought process of like it well, okay, so this isn't a literal acceptance uh, exercise. And because of that, it kind of, you looked back at how you were treated and how you integrated or not to the mess through that first year and everything else and kind of like learned a lot of lessons as a result. So just provide the background and context for that leading up to, and then you got to see it from your first year looking back, like you got to participate as a chief in the chief season this year and looked back and kind of got a lot of lessons learned out of that as well. So, yeah, for sure. You know, like, uh, the, I think that, I think, you know, I, we'll just go ahead and get this out of the way There there is very few, um, fond memories for me and my chief season. Right. And that's in, it's a hundred percent personal thing. It's not a, um, I don't think that that's a general consensus across the mess as a whole. Right. Like, right. like, and I don't think that there is no value in chief season. Right. Um, there's just, a lot of negative emotions and memories tied to it for me that, okay. that kind of like the, whatever the opposite of rose colored glasses are. Right. So I mean, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just like, every time I think about it, I'm like, God, that sucks, you know? Right. But, and um, it's more your personal experience versus was it. So would you say it was your personal experience or your group's personal experience based on the quality of your season? I, Does that make you sense? Know, I, I'm not. Yeah. I, I know what you're asking. And I'm not sure that that's, I, I'm not sure I have enough information to answer that question. Okay, you know, because so I'm just, still I'm still a pretty pretty young chief, right? Okay. So I've only I've only per, 
seen my season. Right. Uh, and then I participated in one season past that. Right. So, right. Okay. Um, and I, I was, uh, knee deep in the, this last season to per, in participate, ask a questions. Right. Cause I, like I said, I had this negative connotation to mine and I wanted to figure out like, there had to be something there. There's yeah. too many of my friends, too many, people who are highly intelligent, incredibly strong leaders who are a hundred percent bought in. So yeah. I needed to figure out whether I missed something, if my group missed something because of, you know, poor planning or whatever, you know, X reason, yeah. or if there's just a fundamental problem as a whole. And I think, um, you know, right now, if you, if I had to answer that question, I would say that I, th- that, that my, there is something weird about the location that I'm in. Okay. Um, and it might be too many cooks in the kitchen. Okay. Um, that's a little, little cook pond for, for you kids. Yeah, I'm just go. saying yep, we yep. get one in there now and then it's good <laughs> every now and then, right? Like too many cooks in the kitchen and not anybody, you know, expediting. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna have to experience still figuring it out. Yeah, like, I'm gonna still, have to. Ex- yeah. I'm gonna have to experience more more seasons to to figure yeah. out whether I just missed the lessons or the lessons right. weren't taught or they just don't exist. Um, so I and and it, it kind of starts before season, right? I graduated in um, 2016 with a bachelor's in organizational leadership. I've been formally studying leadership techniques and tactics at this point when I went through season going on seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something I'm incredibly passionate about. So I, I went into season very prepared for some of the more in-depth conversations that people were trying to have. Right. I went into season kind of, just very well informed, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. there's a lot of people who go into season, even the ones proctoring the season, that are not that well informed. Yeah. And dude, like, I, I agree with you. Uh, be like in in, because this frustrates me a lot. Is that like, it? I I go down the same exact road. It's just like a a separate subset of the Navy where I go down this road a lot with the CS community where everybody's mad at the quality of food service in the Navy. It's like, okay, well, why does the food suck? And it's like, and I'm not like, I always caveat with like, there's a ton of CSs out there getting after it and doing a really good job. But if you looked at us as a whole, based on like the manning that we have, the equipment that's available, the food you can get through the catalog, like you have everything you need to create some ridiculous food, like fully equipped professional kitchen, all the equipment. All the resources mm-hmm. required. Yes, there are some challenges that civilian cooks don't face. And yes, there are some limitations. Like there's a ceiling to what you can accomplish in those kitchens. But you can do some pretty ridiculous things. So the problem is that the skill set doesn't exist. Like the, it, unless you're looking at the enlisted aid community who doesn't go to sea in that right. capacity generally. Like there's a couple like flag chef billets on like carry strike groups and stuff. But outside of that... They really don't go to sea. They're in D.C. doing D.C. things or they're with the four stars, wherever the four stars are or whatever. They're they're at those types of jobs, it, like implementing that skill set. But that skill set is very much uh, n- kind of niche to the enlisted aid community. There's not they're unicorns out there. Don't get me wrong. Like I have a, a very fancy culinary degree and a lot of skills that uh, generally aren't existent in our rate. 
But the the training is just atrocious. Like CSA school, which for those that aren't tracking, I was an instructor there and I was a senior enlisted leader of the schoolhouse. So I know like I know what I'm talking about. It's <laughs> not just inadequate. It's almost pointless. Just and it's not because the instructors aren't trying really hard to teach a student something. It's that they have 25 days to do it in. And then the students take the almost the equivalent amount of leave before they go to their first duty station. It's like right. it's mission impossible. Like you just don't have enough time. The instructors yeah. typically make really big impacts on the students and they they are now mentors for them throughout their careers. Like there's good that happens there. But teaching CS is how to CS is it's just not it's not enough time. You just can't do it. There needs to be repetition and there needs to be again, God bless them. Like I loved my instructors, but I didn't have a single instructor that was formally trained. Like I didn't have a single instructor that had the culinary arts level of knowledge that I have. And it's not their fault. They were just never provided the opportunity and training by the the Navy in their entire careers to learn these things. So unless they spend the time either self-training, like getting in books and doing it themselves or going and getting a fancy culinary degree like I did on my first shore duty, unless they do it on their own time and dime, it's like, they're just not going to have the skill to rectify this problem. And then the entire field, like the entire rating in the Navy has been built around cooks that effectively can't cook, like can't not well, not super well, like they just haven't been. So I, I, right now I'm an inspector. I go down on submarines and I evaluate a food service operation and out of a six page checklist, I think I like don't quote me on that. Uh, right. Like It's like a six page checklist with like. I mean, probably over 100 evaluated items. There is one block that evaluates food quality. It's just not important on the checklist. Right. It's not. And it's by virtue. It's by virtue of like we it's just not an important thing to us because we don't it's not something that's made important at the beginning. We're not like they don't spend really any time teaching cooks how to cook. And I feel like they we do the same thing with leadership. Like if you look at enlisted leadership percent that when are we provided formal training? It's the whole reason this podcast exists is like I started at the beginning. And I was just like, I got to the senior enlisted academy as like a 15, 16 year chief. And it's just like, I've, I, it blew my mind that (laughs) there, this quality of formal leadership and education existed in, in an enlisted career path, except it didn't happen until I was a 16 year chief. Because what I saw while I was there was a whole bunch of leaders that just thought they had it all figured out and thought this was all just a bunch of like, like box checking and just like garbage that they had to endure so that they could at the check academy? the box. Yeah. At the senior enlisted Academy, there was a lot oh of people there. You're saying there like students lo- were just like checking yeah. the box to go there. Yeah, They just, they were like, oh, why am I even here? Yeah. They were just oh there because it was a requirement and they didn't like, they didn't have their minds open to learning anything there. There was a bunch that did. Don't get me like, again, it's, it's never universal. Right. Right. Oh, there yeah. was a yeah, yeah. large, there was a large, uh, part of the the population of the class that just didn't care like what was going on they were just there to check the box pass and okay now that milestone's out of the way like they weren't there to learn they weren't there to get better they they thought they had it all figured out because they'd been validated through promotions and awards and whatever for a career spanning almost 20 years for a lot of them yep because i was one of the youngest guys there i was just i was just about to say is that like um, we do this to ourselves, right? Yeah, like it, 100%. It, the senior people go to the senior enlisted Academy as a box check because it's viewed as a box check. Well, it, but it, 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 what I mean, sometimes yeah, let me, it's let me so clarify good, that though. thought, right? It's so it's good on when you go to a ship, right? Mm-hmm. And, and speaking from my background, right? Yeah. Leadership, blah, 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 whatever. At no point 
when I've been put into leader, leadership positions as far as LPO uh, or, you know, acting chief, now the Ooh. chief, yeah. at no point did anyone ask me what qualified me to do that job. Right. Nobody yeah. has ever, ever considered that there is a very specific skill set yeah. that is des- like well, that again, you need to possess to lead people. Yeah. You're, it doesn't you're matter. Technically being evaluated on it through enlisted evaluations, but you're, and again, like, I, I, I mean, I, if we want to get the truth of reporting, right. sure. No, I know, I know. I, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I say this with love because I love all my chiefs and all my first, like, but you're effectively being evaluated by somebody that learned on the job. So like you were saying earlier, it's like there was no formal training and education that happened. And are there really talented leaders that learned just through experience and their own self-study and maybe even well, like more people like you out there, probably less common, but like that have been formally educated in it? Yeah, they exist, but not on a large scale. You know what I mean? So it's right. like there's people of like we have a problem with truth and reporting because there are people that are in the leadership positions that are responsible for that evaluation process and and making sure, like you just said, that that leader is qualified and prepared to be in that position that aren't qualified to evaluate that. And so then yeah. it's like, okay, so now we end up with this convoluted system where the wrong people are getting promoted, the wrong people are getting put in those spots, and then junior sailors are looking at their leadership and they're disillusioned and and they don't trust us. And it's like, yeah. okay, so what? Like, what are we doing? And it's this: yeah, we're year. just eating ourselves. It's like this vicious cycle. <laughs> every year you go to you go to the map boards, right? Yeah. And you watch how those things shake out, and you're yeah. like, what? It's like a popular contest half the time. I'm sorry, I didn't even mean to, I didn't even mean to say good, that. Man. But like, like, <laughs> what are we even talking about here? Like, you yeah. guys, you, like, we're all sitting around the room mm-hmm. using guys as a gender neutral term, just to be clear here. But yeah, um, we're we're uh, we're sitting around a room and we're discussing these sailors and what they've done, and absolutely none of it speaks to any kind of leadership. And, and yeah. On the back of their eval, everybody has the exact same bullet. Mm-hmm. Led X sailors, which yep. resulted in three college enrollments, two NAMs, one MAP, two BJOQs, and 700,000 hours in US MAP and Navy Cool certifications. Like everybody's eval says that. But it, <laughs> like none of it accurately yeah. evaluates and, your leadership abilities. And me and, uh, uh, me and, um, oh, geez, Jason Thompson. I, it's, I've done so many of these. I got to think of like who I actually talk to about these things. Me and Jason were talking about um, evaluations in the context of like, like exactly what we're evaluating and why, and kind of like the the whole like whoever sold the the most cupcakes wins co- concept right. that you see all over the meme sites and all over Reddit and stuff. Right. It's like talking about like why instead of even like leadership potential or whatever. Not that that shouldn't be a, a large component of it because as we're promoted, like you're promoted in leadership positions inevitably. But the uh, potential, especially at the lower ranks, like we're not evaluating someone's potential like war fighting capacity or like like w- like if we're going to go, mm-hmm. in, if we're going to do what our our destin- our manifest destiny is as, as a service, like the whole reason we exist is to, as uh, my buddy Nick says, it's like, uh, blow other countries st- stuff up and kill like or kill them and break their stuff. That's what he says. Yep. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So like he's like, if we're, it's like if we're going to do that, if that's what we're designed to do, if that's the whole mission over overall is to like effective uh, wage effective war against an adversary. Why are we not trying to evaluate our 
members of that service on their ability to effectively fight a war. You know what I mean? And it's like he yeah. was he was he gave this example of a sailor that he sent up for it was like map or a quarterly award or something. And he's like, yeah, he might not have all the cute bells and whistles like the bake sale stuff. But th- if I was going to war tomorrow, this is the kid I'd want with me. And I was like, that's a bullet right there. You know what I mean? Like, like for those that aren't keeping up, like I sat the selection board for sevens this year. And it's just like, if I saw that on an eval, I'd be like, yes. <laughs> like, right. And I don't know if that's a universal opinion, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> I'd be I'd be pumped about that bullet more than I would be the one that you just described. You know what I mean? Right. Right. hundred percent. Right. Because because and I I I get flack all the time when I see those evals and I bring up like, wow, this is the exact same bullet. Numbers are different, but the exact yeah. same bullet as the last three people we evaluated. Right. Why is this sailor any different? And like what makes them stand out? And nobody's got a good yeah. answer to that. Like, well, right. then they ult- they ultimately always go to. Um, oh, well, they did this college and they did that. I'm like, I don't care what about their leadership. I mean, I care. Don't get me wrong. I do. I am formally educated. Right. And I've got my MBA. Like like, education is the thing. I'm for it. But yeah, it's not doesn't speak to your leadership ability. Right. And that's what what I run into also based on the force distribution style system is that you find yourself in a position where um, you could have a peer group that you're that you're ranking or whatever, and you're kind of like parsing out where they fall. And it's like you're starting at a number one EP and working your way down at most ranking boards. It's like, what if there's not an EP in this group? Like, what if by definition in the eval manual, there's not a person that's ready to promote twice? Because if you read the eval manual and the definition of what an early promote is, it's not it doesn't say they're ready for the next pay grade. It says they're ready for the next next pay grade. So, like, if you're given a first class an EP, they're performing as a senior chief, which is completely unrealistic. And I don't know why they wrote it that way, but that's what it says. So I'm just like, to me, it's like even though that's absurd it's also defining the gravity of giving somebody an early promote on their eval like they're ready Mm -hmm. to be a chief right now and that's what you're saying so if there's nobody that you would bring into the mess tomorrow i mean after like a season and whatever but like there's nobody that you're ready to see on a selection list then why are you giving them an ep at all you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, well, it's not required. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I've, so asked, I've like, asked those questions, right? And and yeah. the answer is because not everybody's playing give. by those rules. What do you mean? Is that is that if the EP is there, right? The majority of the Navy, if the EP right. is there, but why you do gotta I care? Give it. So, but why do I? No, you don't. Why do I care how how like if everybody else is playing by the rules or not? What I have control over, if I'm the CMC of a chief's mess, is what I'm reporting to a selection board based on the sailors that I'm charged with evaluating. So if I have sailors that aren't ready to be chiefs, why do I care if the vessel next door is promoting the wrong people? Like I don't have control over that. If I could, I would fix that too, right? I don't want them to give an early promote to somebody that's not ready to be on a selection list, but I don't have control over that. I have control over the mess that I'm charged with leading. So if I can control truth and reporting on board my vessel or my command or my whatever, and make sure that only the right people have the right evals that to get them on that selection list, then that's what I'm going to do. And, it, and it's what I'm doing here is irrelevant to what they're doing there. You know what I mean? Like, yes, some of the wrong people it, might it get is, promoted it there. It is, but it's not. How, it, like, because Because while you're not out of control or you're, you don't have control over what another vessel is doing, the, the truth is that 
eventually everybody is being ranked against everybody else, right? Like the whole Navy is being sort ranked of, against each yeah. other. I mean, I, I get where you're going, but and, keep, and keep going. So if you're, if it, in that game, if you're the one who's sticking to this, this standard, which personally I agree with, but, mm-hmm. but if we're the ones who are, you know, being the quote unquote stick in the mud, effectively what is happening is not that the system's getting fixed. It's not that even the system's getting better fundamentally our sailors the ones that we're holding this line on will be slowed compared to their peers see because i, I don't because I, nobody else is playing by these rules right and like I, yeah i don't know how to fix that i, I don't i don't think know how that, like you make this grand change but. yeah i don't think that they're necessarily going to be slowed if i so i and i probably didn't explain this piece of it well but so i don't think they're going to be slowed if i'm doing it in a way that that takes that into account. You know what I mean? Like if I don't give a sailor an EP that doesn't deserve an EP, that doesn't mean I'm not going to write them an eval that like I'm going to take into account the total picture. I'm going to take into account that if I give them, if I perfectly accurately report on them and it looks like a, a dip in performance, like, do I want to do that to that sailor? Because I know what that's going to look like at a selection board. Like, I'm going to take the entire picture into account to understand and I, understanding that other units probably aren't doing it the way that I'm doing it. <laughs> It's like I'm going to take the whole thing into account, but it's like if a sailor is performing at like a number one MP level and that's like I can safely evaluate them completely accurately without destroying their career. It's like that's what I'm going to do if I have to manipulate it in some way where it's like I'm not going to make them seem like they're lighting the world on fire. It's a balance. So would you You know what I mean? Like I'm would you air gap somebody if they. If and actually, let me let me like, clarify what an air gap is because there might be some yeah, people in the podcast yeah, yeah, that don't know. So an air gap is in uh, on an evaluation, right? If there's one person in the summary group, right? It's mm-hmm. a one of one. An air gap would be not giving that EP is that there's a higher eval that could have been given to that sailor in the chain of command yeah. chose and that's, not to. That's what's gross about our eval system is that oh, they want you. me they want me to accurately report on them, but they simultaneously are going to hold that against them forever at a at a selection board. And I saw that happen. Yep. So it's like, would I? Yes. But it would have to be a circumstance that warranted the effect of an air gap at a selection board. Does that make sense? Right. So like, but yeah. So effectively, then you you wouldn't truly evaluate the person based on that promotion recommendation simply because maybe like maybe they are an MP, but they don't deserve an air gap eval. Right. And that's yeah, that's what I'm saying is that I understand how warped this current system is. And I understand how to manipulate that to, and I'm like air quotes, accurately evaluate my sailors with that, (laughs) with on that curve. You know what I mean? Like there's that skew to the system. I'm going to take that skew in account in my calculus of evaluating those sailors. So, and that's, what's so gross about it is like, yeah, just is somebody Mm going to sit down and sign an eval that's probably slightly inflated based on the fact that while I don't think they're number one EP sailor of the year, I also don't want to s- destroy their whole career for the next five plus years. Yeah. It's like there's a balance there. And I have a lot more in-depth understanding of it having sat a selection board now. But it's like I... I bet. It, and it's again, it's like it makes my skin crawl sometimes having to incor- like incorporate that skew into yeah. 
my calculus, but it's frustrating because yeah. the skew isn't like definable either. You know what I mean? It's like not. It's, it's, it's super it's, subjective. We yeah. sit here, we sit here and we pretend like we're fairly and objectively evaluating people, mm-hmm. or at least that's the, the face. And this is kind of tying back into what my whole problem with my personal season was. We, we talk about like we're doing these things when yeah. there's really no true way to do those things. So it's like, yeah, we're, not, we're not putting like out this hundred percent. Yeah. Right. But that's the image that we put out is, well, we did right. it fairly for sure. It's like, eh, well, and that's, yeah, but there's also a skew in it and we need that's the to big problem. That. Yeah. That's the big problem is that we don't acknowledge it is that like yeah. we act like all these things just work and it's like, what's wrong with because one of the things that I think I, I was talking to a second class that I recently told that like, hey, I, I do this podcast and you should check it out and let me know what you think. Because I, I like getting feedback from people like him because that's more my target audience than anybody, even though I know there's a, a lot more chiefs less listening nowadays. Yeah, know, but you're, it's you're like hitting way more chiefs than you. Yeah, intended. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what then I initially anticipated. But there are a lot of junior sailors listening as well. And so it's like I, I turned him on to the podcast and I said, and, and because he knows me personally, um, it's fun to have conversations about it. and like get feedback and he's a kid that yeah. will give me feedback. And so he told me it resonated with him a lot and he really, really enjoyed it. And he said, one of the reasons that it he liked it was because I was, it's like I was talking to him like he wasn't an idiot. You know, I was talking to him like, Oh my God, that goes so far. Like, and yeah, it's crazy kind of, that people are like blown away when you do that. Right. And it's like, we call it transparency, but it's, it's more like, just honesty. Like I, I'm willing to have a conversation about what's wrong with the cheese mess. I'm willing to have a conversation about what's wrong with the evaluation system. And I'm willing to explain to them that it's not a, a, the fairest system that could exist. Obviously, that's why they're supposedly reforming it. I got to do some research on that for the Q&A episode. I owe everybody because that question got asked. Like I've been hearing about like them, them reforming the evaluation system for the better part of a decade. I, so and I still haven't seen it. So. it I think... I just heard, I was just talking to people about this last week mm-hmm. um, and it it didn't stop. There was no formal like end to the because the new eval yeah. system went into beta. Right. And they were they were testing right. it at commands um, and that was going well and blah, blah, blah. But then mm-hmm. it just kind of lost steam. And I, yeah, my assumption is the driving force behind this eval change. PCS to retired and Pro- nobody probably. picked the ball up. That's that's probably. my guess. I think, yeah, I, there's such an appetite for it that I can't imagine somebody's not going to pick pick that up soon. That's definitely going to be something I talked to uh, that um, high-ranking person that I mentioned that I was going to talk to. Yeah, soon. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil the surprise for everybody yeah, yet. But, for sure, I wouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that we've been talking about for so long, and it's like sailors don't even believe it's going to happen anymore. For the majority that I talk to are just like, yeah, right. Yeah, we've been eva- like because we've been yeah, we've been reforming it for about a decade. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I that's the the honesty part is the part that I feel like. It resonates with everybody because I'm actually willing to talk about it. And it's like, why isn't everybody doing this? Because that's how I feel about it is it's like it seems silly to me that it's not a normal thing. And that could, you could loop back to it's by virtue of leaders not being formally educated on some of these principles early on so then they get indoctrinated in this culture of like we have to keep up this front of of almost like chiefs are perfect and chiefs are infallible and it's like but they're not like (laughs) yeah i that is like my my loathe is that 
people me too. Put this I, out like, like chiefs or some like godly being. Yeah. And I don't feel like it's, it's this weird, um, it's this weird thing. And we talked about it on the phone the other day. It's this weird thing where it's like, it's almost like individual chiefs feel like there's this like, boogeyman in the closet that will come and get them if they violate the integrity of this this picture we've painted for everyone even though it's like we would all probably individually universally agree on some aspect of it that's crap you know what i mean like yeah everybody generally because that's what shocked me as i've as i've explored these topics through conversation with a lot of people with a lot of experiences I, w- I had a fear when I first started the podcast that I'd get backlash specifically from chiefs. And what I've been blown away by is I've gotten blowback from exactly zero chiefs. Like I've right. never had one like disagree with me. Sure. And we have a, like a, a good debate about certain things, but it's, I've never have somebody I had somebody be like, who do you think you are? Like questioning the integrity of the mess or like whatever. And it's like, like I go back to like I I love being a chief and I'm I'm extremely proud of it and I will never not be but I also feel like we could do a lot better in a lot of areas and I'm not afraid to talk about that and what I think is just weird is that more people aren't because instead of getting blowback what I've gotten more of is like your response when you sent me that email like like yeah. oh thank God someone's talking about this you know what I mean and it's just yeah like, I, well you know why isn't everybody boogie- talking about it it's healthy it's good it's productive <sighs> yeah but that boogeyman actually exists, man. And, and that's, yeah. part of, that's part of, you know, my story is that mm-hmm. <laughs> it, some people we should think probably the boogeyman exists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at some point, right? Like whatever yeah. we're having, I told you, yeah, we're going to, we're going str- to, we're going to string like seven podcasts into this one it's conversation, my guy. <laughs> um, but you know, there's the, this idea that that chiefs are, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go back into my story. Let me just yeah. Get let's the back let's loop back story. and then let's we'll do that. branch off of that. Let's loop back to what I actually <laughs> asked you about for once. Thirty minutes in, yeah, neat. that's pretty typical oh, for me. God. Yeah, well, people, I mean, people love how yeah, distractible I am. It's it's yeah. definitely not yeah. what I get crapped on for on Reddit. But um, so uh. So I went into the season right with a with a pretty extensive knowledge on on formal leadership education. Absolutely, and, and I'm not coming from a spot where I'm thinking that I'm some sort of expert or I am the knowledge on how to lead people because I'm not right. And right. and every situation is different, and every person is different. And I have learned a trillion of things since becoming what I would consider well educated in this topic. Yeah. Um, but I, so I go into season with this with this mindset. I go into season with a um, personality that I am not afraid to say things that are on my mind, right? Like generally coming from the background that I came from as far as all my clinics being small, all of right. my sea time being with the Marines where, you know, Corman can more or less do no wrong. <laughs> it, there's There's... There comes a certain confidence, right, in being able to speak your mind in those kind of environments. So my entire professional career, I have been asked my opinion, encouraged to give it, and received feedback, good or bad, from that. So I just mm-hmm. – that's my personality, right? That's right. what I do. So we go into season. And season is what season is. Yeah. Um, you know, we do the, do the formal training piece of the CP, CPO – selectee leadership course which yeah. is 
you know, for anybody who's gone to Poslik, the chief Poslik is exactly the same. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, and then it went into, and that was three days long. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which the is, rest of, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the six weeks yeah, was chiefly stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a lot of opportunity throughout that entire time that I was like, what in the heck are is yeah the training objective like what's the point right what what am i i'm not even necessarily thinking like man i should know how to do this i am trying to learn something clearly and nobody is telling me what i'm supposed to be learning yeah and when i asked the questions the only answer i got was oh well there's an aha moment that you'll have yeah (sighs) And that, oh, that's that often, answer. well, so here's the thing. It's often used as an excuse for not having a training objective. I know, I but know. It's, <laughs> but it's also, it's also true in, in certain yes. circumstances. So that's what's weird about it is it's like, it, it's, it's a, a, an excuse people use to run a lazy season. It's an excuse people use for not actually knowing the answer to your question. And it's like it's it's abused and abused during the season is it's like, well, I, they're they're just having a like having fun, like messing with you. And then they're just using that as the as the all like the catch all underlying training objective is like, oh, well, you'll understand later. And it's like, no, yeah, don't worry. I, there's a no. point like, to these pointed yeah, bars. Like, oh, right. Okay, and they're well. largely is if you're doing it correctly. And th- that's the thing. It's like I, I me and chief bob talk a lot about spoon feeding our selectees and we say that actually meaning that we spend a lot of time making sure that they're staying it's like it's like uh bowling with bumpers it's like i want you going down this lane and you have room to bounce back and forth but you're only gonna bounce i'm only gonna allow you to go so far to the left or right before i smack you back towards the middle you know what i mean so it's like yeah yeah it's it's this, the spoon feeding we're talking about is is me making sure that I'm guiding you towards that training objective by answering your questions in a way where I provide you as much information as I can without like ruining the the part where you it's like you're self actualizing as you go. Like there's a thing that mm-hmm. has to happen where it clicks for you and that you have a moment where you understand that training objective instead of me just telling it to you. I can't do this for you. So it's like that spoon feeding is really just a good stewardship of facilitating this, this education as it's happening. Right. It's like, it's a dynamic environment. The exercises are, should be happening in a way where you're being guided towards that training objective. And you're put in a certain type of stressful situation sometimes, or you're confronted with some kind of team challenge that you have to overcome adversity to get to the training objective. But at the same time, I'm keeping you constantly focused and trending towards that training objective instead of just like, it's just chaos and everybody's screaming. Nobody knows what's going on. And we're just all shrugging going, you'll understand later. Right. And I got to ask, right? Like, because you were talking about like doing objectives and doing, um, you know, like as long as people are working towards a certain thing in the seasons you've been a part of or the good Mm -hmm. ones, right? Because, you know, there's, there's good and bad seasons. Um, were those training objectives actively talked about like within the mess that was conducting not, the training? Not unless I was running it. <laughs> uh-huh. And that sounds, that sounds kind of gross. Like, so I, I did have a CMC that, 
he was um, he was my cob on a submarine, but he was he was a command master chief that had been a cob three times. He'd been in the Navy forever. Um, just this guy that was like the Oracle of chiefing. He was rough around the edges like he was a dude at, at, as my chief season was happening because I made chief right after he showed up. So he was he was my cob during the chief season. Um, and I had a rough first year, which I talk about a lot on the podcast um, because I didn't understand what he required of me. and. T- to be fair, he didn't do the best job explaining it either, but I had a senior chief that was actively mentoring me, explaining to me what he did need. And I was kind of bristling at it at first and just being rebellious, like rebelling a little bit and being yeah, just yeah, stubborn. Yeah. And then I finally was like, that. fine, I'll try it your way. And like it immediately worked. So um, once I came around to, to, hey, I have to adapt to the needs of my CMC because like at the end of the day, like a big part of my job is supporting him and to helping make sure For the sure. mess works well together as a team. And once I kind of bought into that, we had a great relationship. And to this day, he's one of my primary mentors. And um, I, he's a guy that it wasn't formalized, but he did an incredible job of making sure it stayed on track. And uh, we, we benefited from an extremely senior mess that on the platform I was on, it was a special projects platform. So it was like everybody volunteered for submarines and then everybody from within the submarines volunteered to go to this place. So you had a whole bunch of like type one alpha dog type people in these positions. Sure. And there were, a lot of them were second tour chiefs with a ton of experience. So I either had a bunch of very senior chief petty officers or senior chiefs or master chiefs. So it's just like super top heavy. And really experienced and the type of guys that would be number one EPs on any other submarine in the fleet all in one place. And then we had the best cop in the Navy, literally, like got an award for being the best cop in the Navy. I remember so, you talking about that. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it was like chief university. It was the best possible place, I think, for for a guy like me to make chief because uh, I liked to think I knew a lot more than I did and that I was better at something than I was. And it was just like I couldn't I couldn't get away with anything like because there was just so many. There was 20 plus chiefs. All of them were awesome. Not pretty much all of them. There was a few knuckleheads, but they would just any time I even thought about stepping out of line, I was getting chin checked. And so it was it was one of those things where I like I and I always had a resource. I always had somebody to talk to. I always had these great people that were teaching me those things during the season and after it. Um where yeah. it, you know, what I mean, like that that was my first exposure to it, where it was just like there was some you know, tomfoolery. There were some shenanigans, but that was, I mean, it was 2011. It was before CPO 365. It was like, wasn't quite the dark ages, but I mean, we did some stuff that you're not allowed to do now. So <laughs> right, right. Um, it was, there was that, there was that part of it, but then a lot of it was, he was very concerned that we left, left that process ready to be chiefs and with a good sense of heritage and like eye on the ball and understanding the gravity of the situation that, that now you're the chief and, and everything. So he did a really great job with it, but none of it was formalized. And I have this obsession right. with, um, there should be, it should be written down. Like there should be a source document where people can go there should be and, and like a master course document for the season that says, this, and I'm not these talking are the training about guidance because that no, is so wave tops that it's, it's yeah, vague. it's like, I need, I, and I, I don't need, there should be a roadmap yeah, right. to how you get, a there, first class there petty to officer be. to become a chief, right? There ha- like, there what are the formal be. things that we are going to evaluate the success or failure of this evolution on? Yeah, there there it, has to be, and it's it's. 
I understand why up to this point, the Mikpons have maintained the guidance intentionally vague while providing more and more boundaries for us to function within because Mm -hmm. they want to, they want to believe that they can trust the SELs to like oversee and craft their season and especially tailor it to their specific work fair communities, platforms, mission requirements, et cetera. I think you can do both. Like I think you can craft a master course document that says, these are the training objectives and and some of those training objectives will be le- like left in a state where the EOD community can accomplish that training objective however the EOD community needs to and however it makes the right. most sense to their community. Yeah, and you don't same, have to have same, an SOP yeah. on how every exactly. evolution goes, but you can have right. a this evolution there, has yeah, to happen and this is why. There has to be a training objective attached to everything and it has to look very similar because that EOD chief could end up at RTC. That EOD chief could end up at some kind of a submarine command leading submariners. You know what I mean? Like we had an EOD uh, senior chief running all of our PT for the season because we have like a little detachment. Not that he's he was at an EOD command, like a detachment, but it's like you're interfacing with a lot of these other people. Right. So you need to be able to chief there. Like, <laughs> and it's like, so there needs yeah. to be some parity so that if I end up like I, I was talking to uh, this guy, Dan, the other day, so an NSW tech that I did some episodes with, and he was saying the same thing where he was like, they're at commands where fleet chiefs come in and do like support jobs, or there's sometimes where they then leave the community and go back to the quote unquote regular Navy. It's like, there's got to be parity there where right. I could go to an NSW command and effectively chief. Yeah. There's going to be a steep learning curve and I'm going to need to like incorporate myself into their culture and like kind of way of doing business. But at the same time, it's like I need to be able to like talk with the same language. language. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 We need to have more in common than just how long we've been in the right, Navy. Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and, and there's just too much importance on the, the, like the leadership development and education aspects of it. Like, yeah, I got to program those things in so that during if, if this is going to be one of the primary vehicles for us to finish, like it's like a finishing school for the most important enlisted leaders, arguably, because first classes are a pretty big deal, too. But like it arguably the most important step in your enlisted leadership progression. It's like you you just you have to formalize that if, if, if this is going to be our most most important vehicle for developing those leaders for for educating them how do you not have something formalized on paper where we can look and say those are the goals that we have to accomplish and then go forth and actually accomplish them i need a foundation to build my plan on and i currently don't have it right and we do we do this thing that you're talking about about this this foundation that is tailorable to any community or warfare designator that you're in in almost every other aspect in the navy like Every oh, yeah. nav admin is written vague enough so that each command can get the mission done or get mm. the intent of this nav admin right. done without having to like bend over backwards. Like there's yeah. no reason that we can't do this for chief season. Yeah. I, you know, so, you know, I, I go through this, this six weeks of asking these questions and, and not getting any good answers. Mm-hmm. And, so I'm the less or the more time that goes by and the less answers that I get, the more and more frustrated that I become. Right. Right. Because I am actively I'm trying to do the thing. I am trying to be the chiefliest chief out there and I am yeah. trying to to get the lesson, meet the objective, be accepted in the mess and all that stuff. And nobody is 
even point me in a direction, right? There's, there's, right. there's mentors and, and good people that I was talking to be like, Hey, you know, this thing that you're really wrapped around the axles about right now, don't get wrapped around the axles because it's pointless. But those that's different than providing me formal guidance as to this is where we need you to go or right. the direction we need you to go because nobody knew that answer. And, yeah. and again, being the guy that I'm not afraid to talk and I'm not afraid to have that <laughs> conversation. I was asking a lot of people and yeah. because the mess, the, the genuines that I had when I was going through season was like a hundred plus mm. because there's multiple commands involved in yeah, what we call yeah. the big mess here. Right. Um, that Which may be part of the places. problem because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it may be part of the problem because there's so many CMCs, right? Yeah. That might be the too many cooks in the kitchen. But um, you know, I was asking a lot of people and their opinions, and yeah. each opinion was fundamentally different from the next one. And I was yeah. like, okay, so now I'm starting to realize that there is no actual answer. People are just telling me what they think. And that created even more frustration on top of it all. Right. Because because then I realize I'm getting bent out of shape over something that isn't real. You know, there's kind, like, there's kinda, like, yeah, there, there's not kinda, like a formal. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And and so that's when I kind of like I very much shut down. Um, key all of this frustration specific to chief season. Right. On top of my wife was nine months pregnant and my son was due in on September 3rd, I think. Right. Yeah. So the last two weeks of, of season. Um, and I had known that obviously I'd known this for nine months up at this point. And right. you kind of get this, you know, the year you make chief and anybody who hasn't done it yet, you'll 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 know it when you get there. But pretty much anybody who, who makes chief, I feel like has a good feeling about that year. Yeah. Right. Like you're, you're feeling confident last year. You were feeling pretty confident. You got let down that next year. You're like, all right, my eval continued to be good. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trending. Um, and so I was talking with my CMC pretty actively like, Hey, look, this, it might happen. You're saying it's probably going to happen. This is a logistical issue that my son is going to be born. And right. that is a highly important thing to me because it was my, my first kid. Um, you know, how how can we handle this? Where should I go? And I kept getting the, well, we'll deal with it when we get there. We'll deal with it when we get there. We'll deal with it when we get there. Yeah. And we never dealt with it yeah, of course. until it got there, <laughs> right? And <laughs> so um, he was born four days before final night. Yikes. Four days, right? And it was not an easy delivery. So I've got a wife that can't move. Mm -hmm. I've got a chief season that has progressively made me more and more frustrated. Yeah. And I haven't really, I, I've built some very strong relationships in the mess, but not really somebody that I didn't have going into season. Yeah. I, I haven't built any new relationships that I'd be like, Hey, this is a highly personable, personal and highly vulnerable moment for me. And I just need your help. Yeah. Um, so I was feeling very much on an Island, right? It, like, my son was born and my wife blew up on me because like 20 minutes later, I was already back into like, all right, how do I deal with this now?
Yeah, yeah man. Like I well, was, I, I was mean, in the wrong is, headspace. Part of the, yeah, part of that is attributed attributable to the the headspace and stress you're under as a chief select. It's like you get you think it's like everything. Like you just, you, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. but like your your brain just devolves in a certain way where it's just like all of a sudden you have this irrational priority setting mechanism in your head where it's just like oh i gotta make this phone card right now and your wife's holding your <laughs> newborn child and it's just right like, i use the phone card thing the most because it's so ridiculous and bob talked about it a lot but it's just like you do you get this weird like fixation on silliness that you think is more important than paying attention to your family and, you th- and it's like and we say during the season that it's like your primary duty is the and your family are the most important things everything else <laughs> blah 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 but then we don't actu- mean it <laughs> yeah in actual real life practical application it's like you kind of lose sight of that as soon as the season starts and you, you got these chiefs freaking out on you because all the tasking is not done or you haven't memorized a thing or whatever well yeah and that's a cultural thing too right because yeah. like the whole navy pretty much accepts that truth that like right. august 1st hits and suddenly every chief in the navy just doesn't exist because they're doing chief things somewhere yeah and it, they're <laughs> it's always it's always relative like it's there are commands that understand that that's not the thing but it, a lot right. of it is yeah a lot of it is it's like a generally accepted truth that there's gonna be significant periods of time that your chief is, isn't around and it's like should yeah. that should that be real because you know, like I, conversation it, yeah <laughs> well kind of i mean like yeah but yeah like, it's I, like you know i think that that's i think that that's ridiculous there's no there's yeah. no there, it, if if chiefs are as fundamental yeah, to just about the to enlisted this. force as we make <laughs> ourselves out to be. How does the whole Navy magically work for six weeks without us? Right. Yeah. How can we disappear for six weeks That's and everybody's like, like, okay, it's fine. Like there's yeah. <laughs> at some point as a chief, you have to realize that there's there's a, 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 some significant cognitive dissonance there that mm-hmm. you can't rectify by saying we're incredibly important or you can't justify being gone that long. Like you, right. you have to give one of those. You can't yeah. have them both ways. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, the thing that gets me is that it's like, I, it's one of the most common criticisms I see on Reddit about chiefs is that like, Oh, how does the Navy magically run for six weeks when you guys disappear? And it's just like, the thing that gets me is it's like, you don't need to disappear. Like, are you going to have additional tasking? Yes. Are you going to have to find a way to mold that around your primary duty and mission accomplishment? Obviously. Um, but what I what gets me is like kind of loops back to what we, one of the things we mentioned earlier was to the transparency of it is like you're only disappearing yeah. because you're not allowing access to other to like junior sailors. And it's like, why not? Yes. There's a lot of things that happen that I would say like 80, 90 percent of what we do could be transparent. There are definitely things that require privacy because there are moments of vulnerability and stuff like that. Information yeah. gets shared that's private and it's being shared amongst a group of people that it's it's intended for. But that doesn't need to be broadcast to the local man. There's things right. like that, but that's like 10 percent of it. Yeah, that's, so not, it's that's like, not a majority of it. I mean, why? I, I'm going I'm, to I'm, I'll probably catch some flack right now for this, but I mean, Three weeks ago, I had a junior sailor like HN um, ask me what was in my vessel. Yeah. Right. What's I'll, in your I box, t- I'll tell anybody what's in the box. Okay. Yeah. I freaking opened it. Yeah. Why? I opened you? it like, well, yeah, why not? Here, This is what it's about. Right. And this is like, and, and at that point, 
Um, so I guess it wasn't three weeks ago. It had to be longer than that because it was before I had I had stumbled on this on this podcast and uh, and, right. and read a tradition of change. But I gave the like goat locker reason yeah. is what the church book <laughs> is. Right? Don't like, you feel I, dirty knowing? Oh like, my god. I felt like I felt like I'd been had. I was so upset uh, because I've I've got a picture of me and it's one of my favorite pictures dur- of during a chief season. I was standing in front of a group of uh, selectees at when I was at the A school where I was briefing the history of the charge book as we issued them their books and like it was the goat locker version. <laughs> oh, no. And then when tradition of change came out, I was so mad. I was like, I've been lied to. Yep. Like I was so upset, man. Oh yeah. Th- well this this past season, right? Like in the mess, everybody, you know, every time I heard that, now that I knew the truth, I was yeah. like, yeah, that's actually fundamentally not true. You yeah, should probably that's, that's not true at all. You should probably yeah. should I did the same thing, man. I like for out. a couple of seasons before I used to I used to print I still do. I Every season I, I'm involved in, I, I go to the print shop and print a spiralized version of a tradition change and issue it to every selectee. But the, a lot of the chiefs involved haven't re, haven't read it, aren't even aware of it. And I, I, I don't was, know how that's possible at this point, but you a lot said, of them aren't. You said on your podcast that you did that, right? And I yeah. was like, that's a genius idea. Let me <laughs> go ahead and give the selectees this yeah. document. So I exactly. did. I had a genuine come to me and be like, hey, anything you give the selectees especially stuff like that needs to get vetted and i was like nah, no it doesn't for what fight me i yeah, know I no like, it doesn't <laughs> i looked at the person i was like for what and they were like well we need to make sure it's consistent with the message i'm like it was commissioned by like, the mick pod how is it I, not consistent with the message well I, jesus I, right what i ended up looking at was i was like so far, I've asked that question as to what the message is yeah. seven times and nobody no has told me. No one can answer it. So yeah. as far from my perspective, none of us are on message right now. Well, so like, and that's you the can thing, go like, get like, what's, what's the message? Like, I can tell you what the message is. It's the mission, vision, guiding principles and CPO creed. Should that be the message? That's a conversation like that's a different <laughs> conversation for a different time. Like, is there updating and additions and and like things we should remove and whatever yeah sure probably but like the 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 message is contained in the mcpons guidance even though it's somewhat vague but it's like the mission vision guiding principles the chief petty officer's creed even though there's some stuff in there i don't like it's like there is a message it's just like it's like that it's like it's so subjective that it's like people aren't even trying like it's so loose that it's like people aren't even trying to to adhere to those things right because they don't have to right there's no there's yeah. no oversight there's no right. there's no the boogeyman is only going to come for you if you buck the system too much in the grand scheme of things yeah they'll never come for you if you uh just don't know what you're talking about and you're trying to train <laughs> selects yeah yeah so anyway right like not the right headspace wife's upset at me now because i'm right. worried about chief season while i'm holding my son who's 20 minutes old um and she basically looks at me and is like, you, you need to, you know, figure it out, uh, which is probably exactly what I needed to hear from her. But right. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily a helpful criticism because like, well, I'm trying to. But yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up calling um, like my sponsor because that's yeah. what you're supposed to do. Right. right. And uh, he decided to be like, well, you know, I understand that there's some trouble here, but uh, you really need to make sure that you're you're ready to ready to train. Basically, that's ridiculous. Oh, uh, dude, I, I, I don't understand how it's even a conversation like you're not going to be there. 
I've never, I've You're not never, gonna be there. It, 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 like I was already feeling alone. Right. And, and yeah. your sponsor is supposed to be your best friend. And when you, when I'm like, Hey, here I am, I hadn't opened up to him all season cause I just didn't get good vibes. Right. Yeah. And here I am bearing it all for you. I right. cannot deal. I am not okay. Yeah. I need help. And he basically was just like, well, you're going to have to figure it out. And yeah, I was and that's like, well, cl- that, that just demonstrates that that guy should have never been a sponsor. But oh, they, it, there's no doubt about it, right? So, there's no doubt about yeah, it because the different the difference here is like we had a female uh, sailor get selected to chief, and then she, I, I don't remember if she found out she was pregnant before or after um, the results came out. I want to say it was just after. It, no, it had to be before. Because then, like, it was two weeks in, she, it was the pregnancy was complicated and she got put on bed rest, at, like, oh, admitted to the hospital, Jesus. put on bed rest. So, you know, we involved her as much as we possibly could. Like, we'd FaceTime her on a phone during training and, like, all this other stuff. Yeah. And, but for final night, it was, we, I had a GoPro on my head the entire time. And then I would take like 20 minute snippets of video and send them to her so she could like be there with us essentially. Like, cause I couldn't figure out a way to connect it where I'm like live streaming. Cause yeah, this was, yeah, yeah. this was a while back where I don't think the technology was as good, but I took, I take like 20 minute videos and then send them to her over and over again. So she could see all these videos, like white hat ceremony, sending her all these videos, like all this other yeah. stuff. And like somebody, I, I want to say somebody read hers and did her hat, her cover for her. And then, um, that's stuff awesome. like, like she was involved the entire time and then uh, as soon as the pinning ceremony was over we all drove to the hospital in Norfolk and she had they got her out of bed and she had her khaki like maternity top on and we put her co- combo cover on her head and pinned her in the hospital her family was there like it was that is awesome that but to me it's like that's the move there it like, should why be right? that should be the baseline only focused on your wife and your child at that point and then you know we do whatever we can to adapt to the, your situation keep you as involved as we possibly can and then i if there's remediation that needs to happen by virtue of your attention needing to be somewhere else then that's what needs to happen and your cmc should have been on that like that yeah. that melts my brain a little bit but yeah well yeah, yeah. i digress I, i'm interrupting my- your story no, 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 no. I mean, you're 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 hitting the nail on the head, right? There, there is fundamentally when it comes to chief season, there's one person who's in charge of it, right? And there's one person who's responsible. Right. And while my sponsor played a part in my my eventual just basically burn the whole thing down, yeah. That I that I turned to, um, my CMC one hundred percent is responsible. And played a key role in that because there were warning signs. I was bringing up the warning signs, right? Like I was, I was the one waving the red flags in his office. Like we had long conversations and and it just kept getting like the can kept getting kicked down the road until it got to this point. Right. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I'm at a breaking point. I'm, I'm, I legitimately don't care whether or not I get pinned anymore. Right. Um, and I call one of the guys who was in my, my small mess, um, who I had known for a while and, and very similar, not afraid to buck the system and is, is a critical thinker in most, most situations. Um, and I, I, like I just broke down, right. The whole thing. And, and 
And I was like, I'm just, I don't understand why I'm not getting it. I don't understand why I'm not being the, being the chief. I don't understand why I can't be with my family. I don't understand any of these things. And he just, he changed my whole world by saying, you're being a chief right now, man. Yeah. And I was like that, like just talking through it right now, that probably was my aha moment. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Traffic, right. <laughs> yeah. And that didn't, that didn't placate my frustrations with the rest of the season before. Right. So I was still like super upset that like, that that was the punchline, I guess, maybe yeah. now that I'm looking at like, oh, that's the, the whole point is that there's no Santa Claus. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry if anybody's listening that still believes. Yeah, I doubt it. I don't. Santa Claus isn't real. Um, so turns out right. And, and so, you know, there, there ended up, he basically, and after he told me that he was like, go be with your wife. I'll handle it from here. And I didn't hear anything from him or my mess for four days other than congratulations on the baby, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and, and my, my close friends, the ones that I was, I was good with, obviously we're interacting more. Um, and a couple of days later, he came to me and he was like, here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to do your white hat immediately after that. Because because the way that we did it is like they would they did their, their white hat at a location and then they made the move to final night evolution. Yeah. Um, and so that he was like, can you be there for this white hat? Immediately after that, we'll do. Um, the acceptance piece. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you're good. We'll see you at pinning. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, went through exactly how that was described. Um, but, uh, and pinning happened. No big deal. Right. There was definitely people at pinning like genuines who <laughs> weren't overtly ignoring me, but they weren't really yeah, shaking my hand yeah. either. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, you know, That's, like I could, I could tell that there already was was a riff, right? And I'm like, well, yeah. this is. I hope that this does not translate so long term. Ridiculous! It's like, I, yeah, I. It's like watching little kids control access to a treehouse when you're <laughs> like ten. It's like, what? What are you're you 100% doing? Right. That's exactly what it is. It's so <laughs> childish and petty. Like you're embarrassing yourself, and you're embarrassing yeah. the mess by acting like a child. Like I don't even. You know, I've realized that like <sighs> the, the those the people who engage like that, yeah. The reason you have not had any chiefs give you any blowback on this podcast is because the chiefs who would give you blowback on this podcast aren't going out and listening to leadership podcasts, right? And they're right, honestly, and they're not. Like I would also contend, like maybe if they're keyboard cowboy in it behind, because like I do get <laughs> some Reddit. Like the only place I get negative feedback is Reddit. And I think a big part of that is your ability to hide behind some like handle or whatever, which I'm fine with because I do get some really great feedback, even though sometimes it's cloaked in vitriol, which is fine. It is whatever. Um, If I'm an easy target, I understand that. And I understood all the mods like prepped me going into our Navy. Like, (laughs) Do you understand what's about to happen? And I was like, yeah, no, I think I do. I'm a submariner. I got thick skin. It's fine. It's going to be. You're not going to scare me (laughs) off. (laughs) Better, better men and women have tried and failed, so it's fine. Um, but it was that's the only place. It's like so it, unless they're hiding beside some 
anonymous mechanism. It's like they're too big of cowards to say that kind of stuff to my face anyway. So exactly. it's why it's why I'll never encounter that kind of thing in real life. Just like I don't think I'll encounter it by anyone that like unless they I mean, they, they could feel extremely passionately about a topic that they just disagree with me. But I think that would manifest itself in disagreement but like constructive conversation but it's like if if i'm gonna get that type of react like that type of childish like petty immature reaction it's not gonna happen in any kind of meaningful way that i care about you know what i mean like so it's like 100 and that's what was i wasn't thinking about that at the beginning i was i was thinking it was more like an imposter syndrome thing on my part yeah. but yeah yeah 100 and i mean the, <laughs> the people it's still it's still happening, right? Like so so fast forward, it you know, there were there were people in my mess who weren't necessarily stoked that I was getting pinned or or that I was accepted or yeah. whatever they thought should happen to me because I didn't go through the final night evolution. Um, they were upset that it didn't happen, right? Um and but generally my experience as a chief was there there was no major change as far as my sailors ha- were concerned. Yeah. I was, you know, uh, I was still actively engaged in my mess in the command. I was trying to d- trying to be the best leader and it, trying to be that chief that I wanted when I was a third, second, first right. HN, whatever. Right. Uh, and I think that generally I was doing I was doing pretty good. I was receiving pretty, pretty positive feedback. And so then COVID happened and suddenly seasons getting shifted. So yeah. about mid year. Um, I get, I sit down with, uh, the, the master chief of the area, right? The Mm -hmm. command master chief of the region. Right. And to get a little bit of advice, right? Mm -hmm. I got orders to a much larger mess that I'm dealing with now. It's on the green side. Mm -hmm. Um, he had experience and I was going, Hey, what are some things that I'm going to be dealing with? What are some, some potholes, you know, just trying to get a little bit of that mentorship piece, right? And thing chiefs are supposed to do. And he gave me some great advice. Uh He also gave me the advice that he thinks that I should go through final night this coming, this coming, this past season. Like as a selectee? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Try to get, to get the acceptance piece because Uh, it was, it it was. I want to hear what else he said before. It's an important thing. Like, but so. I want to disagree with it, but I also want to give him the benefit of the doubt. So I'm wondering like what the context was. He was speaking from experience in that he knew somebody who chose to do that. Right. Like um, somebody that for whatever reason, I I forget what it was, but couldn't go through final night on their season. So the next season he went to the mess and was like, Hey, I didn't do this last year. I'd like to do it this year. Right. Um, Is it okay with you guys? If I ask the selects, if I can join them, you know, he did, he, the selects did ask or I, did say that yeah. he could. And then, and then he went through it. Right. And it, uh-huh. I don't know what the, what the value add for him was I, there. Yeah. My problem with it is like, I don't understand how there's value added for a guy that has been functioning as a chief for an entire year. Like you're not going to be in the same headspace as a select. So you're not going <laughs> to receive it the same way. Cause oh, we put a yeah. guy, And this is it's like wrong, but it's the only way that I think it would work as well. So we put a guy through during one of my seasons where we were working with a recruiting district that had and this is the wrong part that had a guy that he if he basically quit back when the season was optional. Gotcha. Okay. 
uh, he did it twice. So in his third year, <laughs> what? he went through again, like already wearing khakis, already wearing anchors. So he, he went through as a, as an initial select quit, got pinned, but they excommunicated him. Like he wasn't a chief at their command. Like he was functioning as a recruiter and doing all the things, but they wouldn't invite him to chiefs meetings. They wouldn't invite him to anything. Like he wasn't allowed in the mess. What? Yeah. And that's the, the thing that I think is so absurd. So then they did it again. The next year he said he wanted to go through and then he quit again. And it's because it was a toxic climate and they were sure like all it was, all training was, was them screaming at him and telling him how inadequate they were and not actually providing any leadership development or mentoring or anything. And and I know this because I was at their training. And then, <laughs> um, and so then uh, the third year he goes through and he gets through and he's accepted. But the only reason I think that it worked is because he was effectively a chief select for two years like he was never on the inside he was never treated as a chief even superficially so i think but that's i think that's the only reason because he was in the mental headspace he needed to be still to yeah but i can, like go so through I, I just i can but it's also super wrong doing that to somebody yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it was the most ridiculous and he was a good dude and so like and that was the same that was the same mess that we participated with that uh, we got to the end of it was the second time we did it. And I and I after it was over, I just I ended up relieving this master chief as SEL. But I uh, I told him to his face. I'm like, we're never we're never doing this again. And he actually it he was the type of guy that I thought I was going to have to argue with about it. He goes I'm like, no, I agree with you. We're never doing it. And I was like, really? Oh, well, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. But like, man, I it had was like a that, it, it was so bad that this guy who I thought I was going to have to argue the point with was like, no, I 100 percent agree with you. So uh, like it was we were in there um, and and the whole mess was arguing against accepting two of these selects because they didn't get it. And I was still in this in this transitionary phase as I was like starting to understand certain things about this process, because there was a time where I did. I interpreted it literally because I was brought up in this system like it's I'm not above it in it by any means. And I just hadn't got there. I I hadn't my my thought process and, and understanding of it hadn't developed to where it is now yet. So I, I was looking at it and I was on the fence where I was just like, they're right. These, they're not ready, but why are they not ready? You know, and I'm like thinking of, and yeah. they, they were making this point and the CMC that was kind of running it, it like the way he was delivering the message to his mess wasn't effective. And it was also, it was almost like he was, he just wanted to go home and wanted it to be over. It was, that was, yeah. I was getting that vibe from him. So it wasn't effective. It wasn't working. He wasn't convincing his mess, but he was saying the right thing, like like literally the right thing, where it was just like the words coming out of his mouth were, if they're not ready, it's because you didn't do a good enough job and we failed. So you now get to remediate that on the other end of the season. So it was like, he wasn't wrong. He was saying exactly the correct thing that I just wasn't fully on board with yet. It was just the way he was saying it. And he, in the entire season, he was completely ineffective at everything. Like he wasn't yeah. a good CMC. In my yeah, I, you know, I've heard you tell that story before because you, yeah. you told it on the right. But um, it reminds me of this book that I read a long time ago. My dad gave it to me. Have you ever read The Question Behind the Question? No. But I'm Highly that. recommend that. Yeah. And it's called it's called John or it's by John G. Miller. Okay. And it's The Question Behind the Question. And it's, and it's talking about practicing like personal accountability and taking like, like you said, mm-hmm. he's not ready. Why is he not ready? Right. right. Like and, and asking that next level question. And fundamentally, most of the time you can get back to yourself as to 
right why something is not working or at least at least some level of personal accountability and yeah, then you can shift that it's the same thing like the con- i got the same concept from the jocko willink book extreme ownership and it's like yeah 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 and, and there's there's nuance to it right like he talks about it on his podcast um where it, like there is a such thing as too much extreme ownership which is kind of like a an oxymoron in a way but it's like as he would say, there's a dichotomy to every like there, everything's subjective in a way. Like there's nuance to everything. So it's yeah. like there's a point at which for for me, it's like there I as a if I'm the leader in, in that scenario, there I, there's always a piece of it that I'm I it's my fault if there's some kind of failure. Normally, it's going to be the lion's share of it, but there's always going to be a piece that's personal accountability unless I've catastrophically failed as a leader, which could happen. Yeah. So it's like it, there's there's a piece of it that I, it's like I want to own it all and it's all my fault no matter what. But there is also a personal accountability piece to for that person. Like I, yeah. I can't make decisions for them. I can't. I'm not a puppet master. So there's right. a piece of it that that is personal accountability for them. But like I'm going to self analyze and blame as much of it as I possibly can on me and what could I have done better and what could I have done for them that would have kept that would have would have affected their decision making process if possible, et cetera. Like maybe I didn't give them the tools. Maybe they weren't qualified. Maybe they weren't trained. Maybe they weren't whatever. Yeah. What aspects in their career like led them down this road where they're incapable right. of making this call or whatever, right? Like, you know, what experience do I have that they don't have? It's yeah. there's so many questions that you can ask in order to to maybe create a little more effective training. But um, what I found in the one season that I've witnessed in the, in the one season that I participated in was that that question or like, what can I do better is not really the questions that are being asked. It's, it's that first question. Why isn't this select effective? Right. And, and ultimately it like it's kind of a scapegoat, right? It, because <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to say, why isn't the select effective? Because then there's no personal accountability. It's the right. select is, is the one who's messed up. I don't have to fix it. He needs to fix it or they need to fix it. Right. And, and it's so much harder to be like, why haven't I, why haven't I effectively trained this select that, because that question is a hell of a lot harder. Yeah. You know, and, and most of the time there's not a good answer to it because there's, as we've talked about before, there's no foundation to, to go off of. Right. You know, so, but, um, so he gave me like this great advice, right. Uh, at least according to them from experience, Hey, I saw this happen. It worked really well for this individual. It was great. Uh, and I was like, okay. And I, I, I chewed on it for like a week because I, you know, I had my immediate reaction, which wasn't positive towards that, but, Again, I had known a lot of people really bought into this mess thing. All right, let me chew on this. Let me see if I can figure out a way to get to that headspace and to to where I need to do that. And what I ended up coming up with was, to me, if I went through final night, it would be an admittance that it would be because I was trying to correct something that was wrong. Right. By extension, that saying that me choosing my family over the final night evolution was wrong, and I wasn't willing to make that make that statement. Ad- yeah, make that admittance. Um, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a concession that I was willing. to. Yeah, make. I would say being generous 
it, you could say that you were going to try to just get an experience that would better you as a leader that you didn't have the opportunity to get because you chose your family first with, and take away the piece where you're admitting some kind of wrongdoing or something. But I, I would, I, I would also, love to say that I gave that the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But I mean, with the mindset that I was in I and also, the mindset that I yeah. left season with, I, th- I just could. That was not. Yeah, but well, but and and the reason why I'm not like <laughs> fired up about it at all is because I just don't think that you doing that is going to be effective. So it's kind of a moot point. It's like, right? You, yeah, sure, sure. Could you swallow your pride and be really humble about it and say like, yeah, I, I could get something out of this by going through it as a selectee? Sure, but I just. In addition to, and I think this is the primary point, is that I don't think it would be effective because you're not in the in the mental headspace of a selectee, so you're just not going to receive it the right way. But also, right. I think you're going to undermine your credibility a little bit with everybody if you put yourself in that type of a position just because of how it's structured. Like, mm. it's an exercise in humility for those selectees before they're accepted as chiefs and you've are, you've been a chief for the last year like that's not right. why would i put myself in that position at this point not that i'm better than it like i go through a lot of like when i do final night with selectees even as a senior chief i put myself in a lot of the same positions they're in to show them that i'm not above it i do all the pt events mm-hmm. with them i'll crawl through the mud i'll run up the sandy hill or whatever the hell we're doing carry the log i'll lay down in the water the muddy water and do sit-ups under the log with them just to get them motivated and show them yeah. that like this is a team thing and that I'm right here with them. But I'm I'm doing it from a place of of I don't know. Like I'm doing it from a position of like authority, I guess, where it's like they're gonna look at oh he okay, seniors getting after it. Like I can get after it too. I've got I can do that. If he can do that, right. I can do that. It, you know what I mean? Pre- and it, it but I can't if I if I'm putting myself in the position of effectively being a select again like to me that doesn't make yeah. sense i i would i would feel like maybe it, like, it would add more value it, like i've gone through seasons with large messes where we did would do this thing it's where it's your your a chief is or two are linked up with like we'd call them historic ships so you link up with like you got like a dozen right. selectees or 15 selectees and there's a couple chiefs with you and it's like they don't do every single thing, but they could. And they're still like, even if I did every single event that a selectee does, the difference is the chiefs aren't, aren't like harassing me. Like it would just be like, see if you can keep up select, you know, and I'd be getting after it right there with them. And I think there'd be a lot of value to that. And you would probably get a lot of the value from final night and be, be, and get more out of it because of the headspace that you're in now doing it in that role than you would trying to do it as a selectee. I just don't think that easily. Yeah. Easily. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very much easily. So, um, (laughs) I, I, I sat on it and then I went back and I talked, I talked to him and I was like, Hey, look, you know, told him my decision, told him my reasoning behind the decision. And, and at that point I saw kind of like a change happen and it became more of a, I, to, to reference what we were talking about earlier, I saw the boogeyman come into the room, really? right? And he he looked at me and he was like, I really wish you would do that, right? Do you not trust me to get you through that process? And I was like, at what point did any of this become personal for you? You know, like, yeah, I, I you know, mean, like, uh, uh, I, in a I, way, in my I, reasoning, I had I nothing. Yeah. I had, 
I didn't say anything about like, well, I don't think that you're, you're effective as a CMC. I didn't say any of that. Mm-hmm. I, just that, hey, look, this is an admission that I feel is inherently tied to me making this choice. Right. I'm not willing to make that admission. I'm not going to do it. I, I understand why he could bristle a little bit at like you not trusting him. But I also like if I was in his position and I was for some reason saying that I thought you should do that thing and you were like, well, for these reasons, I decided to do this other thing. I'm, I would explain to you and be like, well, you know, I, I wish you would trust me it, like in this, but I also understand why you're doing what you're doing. And I respect that. Right. And go forth and do great things. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, right. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't understand I, the part where it's like the dark cloud comes over the room because you're you're not just doing exactly what I told you to do. Like, yeah. and, I, and my feelings are hurt as a result. And like I in that moment, I knew it happened. Right. I knew it happened. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is what I've been worried about. Right. This whole year. Right here. Yep. Like it just the other shoe it just, just happened. Damn it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and he didn't like he, he said that. Uh, and it kind of like we ended the meeting on good terms. We were still talking. And but now suddenly I'm like, uh oh. I got to watch. I got to pay very close attention to what's going on around me. Um, and, you know, a week later, my CMC. After a chief's meeting is is like, hey, uh, you know, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you after the meeting. No big deal. Blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. OK, whatever. I, you know, yeah, had no issue with my CMC at the time. Right. Um, other than other than like just personal characteristics that I didn't necessarily agree with, but there's like, you know, nothing yeah, yeah, that was getting yeah. in the way of the relationship. Right. Right. Um, and okay, whatever, no big deal. And this, it was over, it was over video call, which was probably not the best way to do this, but, um, he basically was like, Hey, you know, this person regional CMC told me that they gave you this piece of advice. What are you thinking about doing? And I'm like, okay, if he told you, he had that conversation, he had to have told you. He had the second conversation, right? And yeah. now he's sending you as a pawn to cut, or or as you know, maybe a knight. I'll give you, a, I'll give you, a knight, <laughs> right? To to come and try and convince me that it's still the right move. So instantly, my guards up. Like, oh god, here yeah, we go. This is yeah. the other shoe that I've been like. This is what I've been worried about, um, and. We, we get into the discussion. I give him my reasonings and, and, and I'm starting to see the boogeyman. I'm starting to see the, the chess play come up behind him as well. And, and, and eventually it got to a point where I was like, CMC, I, you did my acceptance piece. You were there. Yeah. You said I was accepted. Right. So why are we even having this conversation? Right. And I was yeah. like, so, so why are we even having this conversation? Because you're telling me I need to go get acceptance. And he just kind of like, he, he had this little smirk, I, like uh, smirk in, yeah. implies like <laughs> negative, like he I'm was, like it was I'm conniving, but like yeah. he, he had a little, like maybe a half smile. Right. Um, maybe it was just a straight line, but it, he just shook yeah. his head. Like you weren't accepted. Right. right. Like, like it, he didn't say those words, but right. it was, it was, it had never been more clear of an, of what he had said. Right. And, and I s- suddenly uh, I was believe. like, 
Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, here it I is. Just, I right? just can't believe that this type of stuff happens at that level, like that thought process. It just, you, like I can because I know it does, but it's also just like, really? Like, you haven't figured this out yet? Really? At yeah. that like high of a level? I'm just like, ah, it hurts my head to think Yeah, about. but there's, you know, and then, and then, you know, punchline, right, is that he started basically telling me that if I didn't participate actively in season and that I went to the final night event and I didn't actively participate in it and I just observed it so that I could learn how the event is handled. If I didn't do all of those things and check these boxes for him, he was going to call ahead to my next command yeah, and, and make sure that they knew that right. I didn't go through final night because that's going to impact my leadership. Yeah. Ability. And def- I, I think I know what you mean, but define actively participate. Uh, okay, so what I meant was actively participate in season, right? Like be like be like there be in season, select. but once no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Be one of the genuines who's yeah. going to the trainings, which and, you would have done anyway. Okay, got it. Right, I was already. I, I mean, we were. Yeah, I, I would have mm-hmm. done that anyway because I'm insanely curious. Uh, but he made sure to make the distinction that when it came to final night, yeah, I was not allowed to be an active participant. That all I could be was a observer at best um and if i didn't do all of these things he would call ahead and and so he meet just like an observer like but you're still on the chief side of it but like yeah not going through it yeah i'm not allowed to okay whatever like i mean i I, i'm of the opinion that I don't have an issue with first years being in some type of an active role to an extent, but I feel like that active role needs to be at least like rigorously supervised. I don't know. I supervision is the wrong word. Like there needs to be someone there to make sure they're getting out of it, what they should be getting out of it because it's it when you're it's, when it's your first year on the other side of it, it's like there's some understanding that needs to happen in in our current system, you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, to what the your chief's what the chief's responsibility is on the other on the chief side of it. Just like when you went through it as a selectee, like you needed some shepherding and some clarification or whatever. It's like you know what I mean. Like, I don't. I used to. I had that that CMC I talked about earlier that is still one of my mentors. He had the opinion that like like first years on that first like chief, you're you're a chief going through the season on the chief side of it. Yeah. On that first year, it's like you're part of the furniture. Like he didn't want to hear you mm-hmm. talk, but he wanted you there like listening. And then afterwards, we would almost like hot wash it for the benefit of those first years and answer questions and whatever. So it, like and I have no problem with that. I right. think that would be ideal. Right. Actually. And that, yeah. And that's <laughs> that's kind of how I, I view it. I, I'd open it up even the aperture a little bit more where I'm OK with first years actively participating but in some kind of like an assist role to somebody yeah. that's more senior, just to make sure that for the same thing, like that they're, they're coloring inside the lines and that if they have questions they can ask and that when they see something that they're like, Oh, what are they, what are they doing that for? Or whatever. Like, yeah. Or yeah, I, yeah. I always wondered what this meant or so, you know what I mean? Like that, that that's able to happen. Um, yeah. And I think that that's important, right? Because yeah. it, currently in our system, we don't have a rule book. So that rule, like we have to pass it down. Um, so, I agree with you there. It, I don't think. Yeah, and and I and I ended up telling my CMC like, all right, fine, yeah, whatever, whatever. man. I, okay. You know, and I ended up asking like, um, you know, 
this it, it you calling ahead right indicates to me that uh you that's the that's the that's the boogeyman call ahead that everybody worries about right, right? like hey I, I like- just so you know chief chief blah 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 is coming your way <laughs> how do you make that phone call and not just say hey i catastrophically failed in my primary duty and i just wanted you to know because it's easy <laughs> because it's easy to say that's what that i would hear select is messed up that's what i would hear on the other end of that phone like if it i and i guarantee if my if my cmc got that phone call he would lose his mind on whoever was calling and be like oh so you catastrophically failed in your only job okay thanks for the call i guess like i'll make the i'll i'll fix what you screwed up and make the judgment if there's one to you know what i mean like i'll yeah. judge that sailor based on their character and ability to do their job and stuff when they show up. Like I'm going to give them even more of the benefit of the doubt now because they were working for such a clown. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) how do you even make that phone call? I would destroy the person that made that phone call. Like if they call, if I was a CMC in that role, even if I was just senior chief, whoever, and I got a phone call warning me about a sailor like that in in that type of a context because there's a there's a difference between somebody calling like some chief calling ahead and saying hey this this i just want you to know the sailor has these challenges and they've had you know hit some bumps in the road but i think they're they can do well but i just wanted to kind of prep you to meet their needs versus calling me and telling me that like oh i just wanted you to know that they're not really part of the club (laughs) like really are you 10 i'm am i being punked like get who makes that phone call with a straight face and then who on the receiving end doesn't thereby destroy their soul for having the gall to make that type of a phone call like what i that just blows my mind i i I agree with you right which (sighs) is why your podcast struck me as hard as it did. Yeah. Um, but at this point, I've had two very senior master chiefs mm. show me this boogeyman. Gross. Right? And so now I'm 100% operating in my command in the Navy and thinking about the entire, like the, like these are the two master chiefs that I have direct contact with at any given moment. Um, and so I'm thinking, this is the way it is. This this is the cheese mess, and like I can't I can't tell you how lonely that felt, right? Because you yeah. can you can talk to your friends, you can talk to the other chiefs who are like, ah, man, don't worry about it, blah blah, right. blah whatever. But that's not like that's not formal guidance, and and the formal guidance you've seen at least as far as you're able to ascertain was that you're on notice. Yeah. And you need to somehow get out from underneath that. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I did it. I did the thing. I got into season and, um, <laughs> a, I started floating the idea. Cause one of my very good friends was like, you know, you, to me, right? Like kind of smoke checked me a little bit. It was like, Hey, look, you criticize a lot, but I don't ever hear you coming up with a solution. Fair point. And yeah, fit, right. It, it hit me like, damn, that sucked to hear, but yeah, yeah. I needed to hear it's it. Also um, true. Because, <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not wrong. Yeah. It, and it's easy to just, it's easy to just like say, well, that's because I don't know the answer and I don't want to offer something that's half, like, I don't want to go shoot from the hip, blah, 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 but that's not true. Yeah. The truth is that I was scared. Right. 
and that I didn't want to give what my answer would be because the moment I, I perceived to step out of line, I got smacked <laughs> by, by something that didn't make any sense to me. So um, I was worried about it. And then I, I listened, you know, so I started floating the idea of like, what, what would I need to fix the problem that I see? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create a podcast, right? Like, Hey, right. let's, let's talk about who chiefs are. Let's just be real people, you know, insert first name here and invite anybody to listen and talk to that chief because I wanted to like the problem was that we were putting in my mind, right? Was that we were putting this, this image out that we're infallible in God's gift to the Navy and that image I wanted to tear down and burn to the ground because we're not. And (laughs) you know, I want people to understand that, but, um, so I floated in a couple of Facebook pages. Hey, look, this is my idea. Anybody, what's some feedback? Ton of people were like, this is great. That's, that would be awesome. And then a few, one person was like, hey, have you ever listened to D-Guts? And I was like, no. And I did. And the first podcast I heard was the acceptance piece, which yeah. for me was mind blowing. Because now I have somebody who is in a leadership position. After listening to more of your podcasts, I, you know, you almost at that Cobb position, possibly. Right. 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 Um, who is seeing, thinking, speaking, doing as mostly I would. Um, and suddenly I'm not alone. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly there are other thoughts and it's okay to actually say these things and it's okay to think these things. I feel like it's fair to say that like, they've arrived at that place for the same reason that you see young chiefs showing up into the mess ill-equipped to be in the leadership positions that they're not, they now find themselves in is it's like the institution failed to provide them the tools that they need to do that job correctly. So you're not like wrong. we're talking Yeah. So I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, like I, when, when we say things like, well, they were clowns. I try to avoid saying things like that that are even resemble a personal attack. Like, so I'm personally attacking a human versus critiquing their performance in a job or a certain role because it's like they're not a bad person because they were never taught or equipped or whatever. And again, that's fair. There's there's a piece of it that is personal responsibility because you're also an adult that's probably in your late 30s, early 40s that has had ample opportunity to plug these gaps on your own. And it, right. I would imagine, especially because all of those CMCs have been through the Senior Enlisted Academy, that you've been confronted with these things and understand that the, the mechanisms are out there, but also how receptive are you to them when like, you've been validated at every promotion that all the things that you're doing are correct because they keep promoting me and they keep throwing awards at me and now I got a cookie on and whatever. So it's like, I, I there's a, there's a part of it that I I'm a little more forgiving in, in that I just think the thing is structured wrong. And that's what I'm about trying to correct is like, we're taught like we're, most of the podcasts we've spent talking about the institution of the mess and kind of the things that are wrong with it. So yeah, it's, it's hard not to feel, especially in the, in the experiences you've had. And I've had some of those as well, where it's like, it's hard not to have a personal problem with a, 
a, a human being that does those types of things. And I'm not going to say I'm above it and I'm not going to say it's never happened. But I also have matured to the point where I realized that it wasn't all their fault because there are people in the Navy right now that would say the same thing about me, that I was in a position of leadership at some point where I was not the leader that they needed or deserved. And it was because I wasn't equipped yet. And it, it, it took me a long time to get there because... I had to do a lot of it myself and had to stumble into the right mentors to smack me around a little and get me pointed in the right direction. <laughs> so it's like, I, but I didn't get any formal education until the Senior Enlisted Academy. It was all on my own, just my own curiosity and my own questioning attitude and my fortunate encounters with the right people. It was, yeah. so a and lot of it was just accidental. Let me clarify that I have absolutely no ill will or no problem towards anybody in my story. Right. None. Like it's not, it's not, I am not, I, I know that at no point did anybody give me the advice or take the actions that they did because they didn't like me or they did, you know, that's not generally nobody shows up to work. Who said that? Me. Uh, trying that, to suck. Oh, <laughs> Nobody yeah, shows up. Uh, is like, I'm going to suck today. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, <laughs> I say I was, that all the time. I think I read it. I think I read it. You in, probably uh, did. I probably Guy read it. Snodgrass. Okay. Um, the, like the, he, I he probably about Mattis's subconsciously stole it from someone too. So, yeah. I mean, well, it's, you know, it's not like a, like <laughs> yeah, a it's not like, yeah, parallel thought, thinking. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but he basically was just like, you know, nobody, generally nobody shows up to work like looking to be bad at their job. So, I know that nobody gave me advice hoping that I would fail and, or maybe they did, but they probably didn't. They probably thought it was the best way to do it. Even even though in a lot of cases it wasn't based on the story that you told, you know what I mean? Like, right. Even, even, even my sponsor who was like, well, you're going to have to figure it out. There were reasons he gave that, gave that answer. Right. I, I don't know if I'll ever give him the opportunity to kind of talk about that because there's a lot leading up to it, but um, you know, eh, maybe, I don't know. Um, but, and I think that speaks to my point of like, and what you try to do as far as humanizing chiefs is like, we're all people, all of us, right there. I don't wake up and throw my anchors on my own shoulders and suddenly and imbued with every answer to every naval right. problem. Like I, I'm just a dude who read some books, hasn't read them all, who knows some answers, but is clueless pretty much all the time, (laughs) you know, and, and, and always have to tell his, not always, but often will tell the junior sailors, Hey, you know, you're going to have to give me a sec because I need to go figure that out. Um, but it, and to have these unreasonable expectations on anybody will only breed resentment. Yeah. Right. Like if, if, and that's probably where I failed most epically is that my entire career, I had chiefs on this pedestal. Um, even the, even like, even though I had like plenty, just like everybody does plenty of examples of like bad chiefs, I, I had just as many examples of good chiefs and, and I was, it was easy to, to block out the bad ones because they didn't fit my narrative or the narrative that was being sold to me. Yeah. And when I finally got up here and realizing that there's no Santa Claus, that was, 
that was really troublesome for me. And it probably led me further and further down this road of what are we even doing here? Yeah. You know? And, and so I, I just, we got to one, the chief's mess has to have more conversations like this. Yeah. And we have to find a way to make these conversations normal. Instead of instead of the onesie twosies one on one conversations behind a, a cloak of anonymity, we've got to be able to have this in a group and to I th- sit down in the yeah. mess and talk about this. I think it's starting to shift towards that, but I think it. Unfortunately, I think that. I mean, unless the Mikpon or subsequent Mikpons surprise me, and just there's this giant. They come out with this giant, like, <laughs> s- like sweeping update to mission vision guiding principles cpo create and like just like redirects the mess and starts to change the culture in a big way it's like to to make the type of institutional change that's required it it requires the support of the mcpon and all the fleets like it just does yeah. like it's not going to happen unless all those people are on board and yeah. um i just don't see that happening uh unfortunately but it it it's again some questions I'm going to ask <laughs> that one yeah, guest yeah, yeah, that's yeah. upcoming. Um, but it's also like those conversations starting to happen, and I, and I think that by virtue of that probably not happening, it's going to be like a a generational breeding out process where it's like pretty soon in the next decade you're going to start to see people like you and me in high level CMC billets, and so those conversations, and then you know, and another. Probably what I mean, even a guy like me. So I, I've been in 19 years at this point. So 10 years from now, yeah, I'm approaching hopefully like a force master chief position if I stuck around that long, um, right. or like some high level flag billet on my way to that. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. like I think forces and fleets are usually or, or like 34, 36 years in the Navy at that point. Um, Wow, that might be the McPon at that point, but yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. Like you're kind of in that range. It's still pretty so high. Yeah, yeah. I think you're in the next decade. You might see those types of conversations normalize because uh, people like me are going to start being in those types of positions, and people like you are going to be like like unit CMCs at that point. And and so it's just like it's going to start to normalize in messes where it's like that's going to be the way the seasons run because the at command SELs in charge of the season are people like you. And it's, so it's just like, yeah. it's going to take time, but I think that the type of change that needs to happen, these conversations are extremely valuable and should be happening, but I don't know how much change will come as a result of having these types of conversations. Like I hope I'm wrong and I hope that, I don't know, maybe the stuff that I do and the stuff that some of the, some of these other people are doing are a catalyst for an acceleration of that change. But I, I don't know if that's realistic just because of how mammoth the, the organization yeah. is like it would, yeah. it would, it would require the there's anything. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that we, you know, you, me, anybody behind a microphone can do with a conversation to change the current mess. You're right. There is a, there is a generational. Well, I mean, there's change to it. Yeah. There's change happening in that, guys like you hear the podcast and then we're having this conversation and this affected you in a way. And I've gotten messages like that before where um, like guys that were like bitter and jaded and kind of like just not super involved in their messes because they just thought what was the point and then right. heard the podcast. And for whatever reason, like, cause I, I have a hard time 
wrapping my mind around how anything would affect me in that type of a way, even though that would be really cool. It's like <laughs> I've gotten messages like you've like reinvigorated my my desire to like be a good chief. And now I want to go be a CMC or now I like I, I'm just doing a way better job of taking care of my sailors and being engaged because they were just beat down and kind of had had given up a little bit. And it's like it happens. Yeah. I get it. I've been demotivated before or like lost discipline or just been like kind of woe is me and in, in a bad place. But I've like. So I I guess I understand it, but so it's having that type of an effect for certain people, not just chiefs either, like junior sailors, officers, whatever. Like I've had a lot of people reach out and and say those types of things. So it's like it's having an effect. Is it going to have like a broad sweeping institutional level change effect? Probably not. Like, but like, right? It's helping. So I think having these conversations out in the open is extremely valuable, and it's. In absent in in the leadership development vacuum that exists in the Navy, I think it's really important to have these types of tools. You know, I, I don't, yeah, I don't see how it's it's not. You know what I mean? And I, and I also think there's room for other people to be doing it because, I, like, you, like you and I talked about the your desire to start a podcast, but it's like, and I've had other people say it to me too, and then they're like, "You're kind of already filling that lane," and it's like, right. yeah, but. I feel like there's things that I don't cover or that maybe it's just a force multiplier, whatever. But like, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that there's not room because, and, and I'm going to say a thing, I'm not attacking anybody. So don't think I'm talking about you, but there's some podcasts and like, like, um, I don't know. They're like some video podcasts and just regular podcasts that it's by virtue of the way that they're executed. I just don't think they're resonating with anyone. Like it's more like an, a small echo chamber for a, a very small group of people. And it's probably almost universally leadership people like, like it's, <laughs> it's isolated to E seven and above. And I'm probably being generous even there. It's probably like senior chiefs and command senior chiefs. And you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, officers, yeah, yeah. like those type of people. And that's it. And so it's and it, and that's why it's because it's not like a frank, open, like honest conversation that feels that way. And it's hard for me to even articulate what I mean by that. But what I've gotten so much feedback where it's like it doesn't sound like when we have when we have these conversations on the podcast, neither of us sound like we're just regurgitating like something that was talking a, points or whatever, yeah, yeah. like talking points or tone <laughs> the party line or whatever. It's like we're actually having frank conversations about topics and and saying how we actually feel and breaking things down and being honest about it. Because the thing that resonates with junior sailors is like they already know the eval system sucks. They already know that all these things are broken. They already know that the chief's mess has problems. So to pretend that we don't is insane and it's not ever we lose yeah it's not ever credibility yeah it's like we're not ever going to convince them otherwise so by virtue of them feeling that way and uh, like also conveniently them being right it's like (laughs) us talking about those things (laughs) is super valuable because they already it's like you can't hide that kind of stuff they already know there's some kind of discord they already know there's a problem in these certain areas. So for somebody to finally be willing to talk about those things and not pretend everything's great, uh, and like, but then behind the scenes, we're having these types of conversations. It's like that is what is making the connection. And I think that's what we need more of. 
And I really wish that somebody at a like high level would be willing to have those types of conversations because that's what like you see some of those podcasts and it's just like it's like watching the what's the stupid network where there's like there's people and they're just like saying oh, today the CNO visited this place and shook some hands Is and took some AFM? pictures and it was great and everybody was happy. It's like no, they Is weren't. They were misers network. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. again, I'm not mad at them, but it's like it's the content that's delivered doesn't resonate with anybody like it just doesn't i'm sorry like no one cares and nobody at that command was happy because they had to field day all day wax decks do all kinds of other ridiculous things and then stand in formation for two and a half hours waiting on the cno to show up so like stop it nobody's happy about that then be forced to ask a question yeah yeah but you're only able to you're only allowed to ask certain questions because if you embarrass the command the cmc is going to murder you afterwards so it's like right you know what i mean like what's yep what are you really gaining by by doing that? I, I don't know. And it's like, I'm not, I get it. I understand sort of why they're doing it, but I feel like there was a lot more, like I had this encounter with Rick West once when he was Mick Pond and I was a chief select. Yeah. And it was super organic and like he acts, he just drove by. Um, He saw a bunch of chief selects running down the road. And I think he knew my cob as personally as well. And so like, they st- he said, Hey, what's up, man? And like, it stopped, got it, like, was talking to my cob while we were, and we're like looking in the car, like, that's the Mick Pond. <laughs> like, so we're all, we're all dumbstruck as we're running up this hill. And he just, our cob goes and halt. And then here's the Mick Pond in the car. And he was just like shooting the breeze with us, saying hi. He was doing like a meet and greet for selectees the next day. And he actually signed my charge book. Um, hilarious hilariously he screwed up spelling on something and wrote over it instead of one-lining and initialing it so i got a big, <laughs> i got a big kick out of that because um, i had got lit on fire about some stuff in my charge book not being one-lined and initialed instead of like however i whited some stuff out or so i don't know right and, uh but yeah it's so he but it was it, it was i it was just another human being he was super cool super personable uh, had some kids in the back of the car that didn't know he was the Mick Pond, and he said it in front of the the CMC, like my cob that he's talking to, and you saw the kids like freak out and like start sitting at attention, basically, and like, <laughs> oh my god, because he picked him up oh, walking yeah. and was giving him a ride to the gate or wherever they were going. That's it was, so funny. It was so good, man. And but it was that moment. It was just like that's that's cool. Like if they just showed yeah. up and like walked into a shop. And just were like hanging out and like, hey, show me what you guys are doing. That would be way cooler to me and way more productive than this like everything's because if you if you don't surprise people, it's like everything you see while you're there is packaged for your consumption. And I've seen yeah. that as just uh, all, I, all I do is as an inspector, supply sure. <laughs> inspections on submarines. Yeah. And every they know I'm coming. So every single thing that I see and that is handed to me is packaged for my consumption. So it's not what I necessarily would have seen if I just surprised them and showed up on the unit. Is that necessarily fair to the unit? Does it work with ship schedule? No, like in the inspection thing, not really. But if they cleared it with like the the local, like immediate spirit in command type plate, like squadron or Deseron or whatever it is, if they cleared that ahead of time, just saying, hey, is the ship schedule support? Is there any reason why we couldn't do this? And not tell the unit like, hey, we're going to just drop yeah. in on the following units and just say hello. And the, and they and then the ISIC actually didn't tell them, like, I think it'd be way more valuable if they just showed up in the shop. And instead of 
just cooking lunch. I'm cooking lunch with the McPon, like and right. sharing my feelings about being a CS on a submarine or whatever. Like that would be it freaked the unit out, but like it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I think you'd get a lot more goodness out of that. Like just showing up and talking to a sentry on the midwatch, you know, like without telling anybody you're coming. Like that'd be cool. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it would be, you're absolutely right. It would be a ton more productive, but, um, you know, the, the flip side of that also has to be true is that like the, the person who's coming down, like the CNO or whatever, can't come with the entire entourage either, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, sure. Have your aid or whatever, like one or two people with you, but don't bring the camera crew. The camera is what kills me. It's like, I, I understand why they do it. I get it. But I, I feel like the ship or or even like they wait topside and then they do some photos later. But when you're actually interacting with the sailors like that interaction is going to be so alien, like just so strange and rigid. And the guy, the sailor is going to be nervous. And like, yeah, they're already nervous because of who they're talking to. But like you add a camera and all these extra people into the mix, it's like. And being that being that high up, right? Like you're you're naval celebrity, right? So right. it's not like you're not going to get that that f- social media post organically, right? Yeah, like yeah. there's going to be a sailor or right the CEO or the CMC or somebody who's going to take the picture, right? Yeah. And then you get the opportunity to share that sailor, you know, like yeah. It, I just, almost feel like they're yeah. yeah. I mean, if it happened organically, cool. Like on submarines, we don't they don't have their cell phones true, down yeah. there. But it, I mean, a lot of units they do, and that's fine if they want to do that, whatever. But I almost feel like there's something added to there not being a camera there at all for a lot of those interactions, and then maybe like later, okay, you, do you want to get a picture? And they take like a pose picture with a camera from their phone or whatever. And then like there's certain photos just because they want to document it themselves that the CNO and McPond visited this unit and they want to post it on David's or whatever the heck and social media that's official accounts for those people. But I feel like in when you're actually interacting with sailors, unless they just like take posed photos after they do those interactions or whatever, it's like I just feel like there's a lot more value to it being a more personal interaction to them because like I've, I've found that there's there's nerves when they're interacting with me as an inspector, but it's really easy to disarm those people by just acting like a normal human being and kind of joking around and just, you know what I mean? Like just, they get yeah. Oh, yeah, very yeah. calm, very quickly with you. If you just like joke around with them and act like you're just one of the guys or just one of the ship's compliment or whatever. Yeah. You know I mean, like you're just yeah. a sailor on the ship doing the same job they are. So it's, yep super easy to disarm them and then they're telling me things they probably shouldn't be telling an inspector and and joking around <laughs> and being honest and it's like it's cool and i i enjoy that a lot and i i think that's what they go there for like those high like even fleet mass chiefs and all this other it's like i feel like that's what they go there for and that's what they go there to get and they create this environment where that's impossible <laughs> by, by right. the way that they show up to visit but right but anyway um yeah, yeah man so the i'm curious we talked, we got there and, but I'm curious to like talk about how you think that your, like your development as a chief has either changed or not as far as like you going through the experience you described, you know what I mean? Like you didn't, you didn't get to finish the chief season in the way that like most chiefs do and do the acceptance thing in the way that they think you should, um, 
even though you did it in the way that they said was the way they were going to kind of certify that event. But then, (laughs) then having it explained like in the way that I explained it in that episode and it it resonated with you in a way that like, Oh, okay. Like I actually get what this is supposed to be about now. So like what, I don't know. How do, how do you think it changed your development? How do you think it's made you better? Um, you know, I mean, like talk, talk, or, or, or the, the acceptance podcast, the, the ex, no, like your experience of, of yeah, having yeah. gone through not actually doing the acceptance piece and then kind of getting to see it on the other end. And then the acceptance podcast changing your perspective a little bit in kind you of know, how you viewed it. Just like, how has it changed your outlook on it and how has it changed your development as a chief in like a, an incredible irony? Um, this season, there was a select, right, who came into it with very, like, very similar personality to mine. Yeah. He, like, uh, you know, 18, 19 year in the Navy, like, this was his last look. Right. Um, and got selected, right? And so he was asking a whole bunch of those questions of, like, why are we doing this thing? What is this? Like, the same questions that I was asking yeah. a year earlier. And he was getting the same answers because the mess was essentially the same. Mm-hmm. So I could, I, I was watching him start the path that I had walked 365 days earlier, right? And I knew the logical conclusion of that, which is even if he goes through acceptance, even if he does all these things, there's going to be a level of resentment that is just not going to be easily fixed. And so because of my experience, I was able to identify that in somebody else before maybe anybody else in the mess saw it. And I got the chance to sit down with him and have that real conversation. Like I went and asked him, like, basically I went and was like, Hey, you're getting my charge. Come here. Yeah. (laughs) Sit down. (laughs) You're going to like this. I got, I got, we got some stuff we need to talk about right now. Like, and and he was, he was already jaded to the point that like the first time I interacted with him and I noticed this, I was like, uh Oh, okay. So the second time I, I like the next day I was like, Hey man, do you got a second? Can we, can we talk? And he was like, Oh yeah, chief, hold on a second. And then, you know, got caught up doing other things and never came around. So like I, I chased him for like three or four days to go find him. Yeah. Um, and then like we sat down and I was like, why you pissed, man? What's up? Yeah. And we just got into those real conversations and, and, and I ended up telling him my whole story. Right. And I, it resonated enough with him to be like, cause I, I finished it. Right. And I Mm -hmm. told him, I'm telling you this because I don't want you to be where I currently am. Yeah. Which is angry, confused, and, but also understanding of like other things, you know, this is just an uncomfortable spot and I just don't want you to be there. And so I was able to get him to a point that like on pinning, he came over to me and he was like, you, you changed my season. You fixed it. Like, like the thing that your podcast did for me, I did for him because of my experience. Hell yeah. (laughs) So it like, that's amazing. While I'm so angry, like while I'm, I'm upset that I had to go through what I went through in order to get where I got. The lesson I learned is so valuable 
And yeah. it's ultimately resulting in this, in this chiefs are people, right? Like I can't, I can't expect everybody who has an anchor on to understand fundamental tenets of leadership. That's yeah. not a realistic expectation, unfortunately, right? And that's something that we should be changing. But um, I can't expect that. And and what I can expect is that everybody is willing to talk about it. Yeah. And everybody is willing to learn. That's the only thing that I can expect. Yeah. And I, I was hoping we'd get to this spot where it was like the the realization that the experience was as valuable as it sounded to me as you were explaining it, but also like the, the part where it's like, even regardless of what your experience is, it seems like to me in my experience, willing, being willing to honestly share that just that, that function in and of itself, like that action, your willingness to tell your story unabridged, you know, unfiltered to a sailor in a way that they can understand that you're doing it only to benefit them and that you're kind of getting a little vulnerable and and sharing details that you don't share with a lot of people kind of thing. Just being willing to tell your story, even if it's not that kind of like just any story, the willingness to do that and show, show a little bit of that humanity is enough to get them to trust you, to get them to buy in a little bit more, to get them to understand the things that, uh, that you're telling them then, but also just to trust chiefs a little bit more and just, just to understand that the process does actually have training objectives when it's done that way. Cause like you have to be willing to have those conversations. And I've, I've always been like given a hard time about spoon feeding from the very first time I ran the chief season. Mm-hmm. And I also get to the end of that chief season like I have a picture with uh, all the selectees that I put through that first chief season and I got pretty close with all of them. And because, uh, you know, like it was kind of a similar scenario where the sponsors really should have been sponsors. Like they just weren't interested. Right. So I kind of right. but we were in the shipyard and I had the bandwidth. Galley was shut down. Like so I was all in on the chief season and I was super passionate about it. And um, I basically became a, their, all of their sponsors. There's five of them, I think. <laughs> and I was just, that's all I did, man. I just made myself available and spent all the time. And I was a single chief at the time. All I had was a one bedroom apartment and Netflix to go home to. So I just, I had nothing else to do except right. I, I completely, got de- yeah, completely devote myself to, to whatever they needed. And I wanted to do it. And so it was like the, they were, it, it made a huge impact on those guys. And what's mm-hmm. even more strange is on submarines and i talk about this a lot cooks are generally viewed as like less intelligent less important to the mission stuff like that and so it the none of them were cooks they were all technical ratings i had like a nuke and a conventional mechanic like an a-ganger um a yeoman a couple other just different submarine ratings but they all every submarine rating on a submarine has a pretty classic career progression even the other side of supply like ls's start in the same place as a lot of other ratings where the junior guys drive the boat and except for virginia boats but that's not material to what i'm explaining so on submarines they'll start by driving the submarine in control and then they'll progress to maybe some other watch um and but it's kind of the same progression as everyone else except for cooks cooks have this unique career progression where they're in the galley the whole time 
And then on their next submarine, they they might go into control or they'll just be in the galley the whole time, you know? And so it's like mm-hmm. we're viewed as like the help kind of. And, oh, you're not yeah. really a submariner. You're just the help, you know? And it's like well, there's, um, there's probably a lot of history there. There is. <laughs> there's know? a ton of history. Yeah. If anybody wants to check it out, there's a book called The Messman Chronicles that will blow your mind. Um, but it getting to do that and, and getting trusted with that initially, there was skepticism. And then by the end of it, those guys would have laid down in traffic for me and they trusted me implicitly. And it was really cool to see that. Like it did a lot for me in healing those wounds of like a career of being marginalized because I was a cook. It did a lot for me to see a new ET looking at me as a mentor, like and like really happy yeah, that I, I was able to, to provide him what he needed through that process. And he was a guy that was real, not interested and was kind of almost hoping he wasn't selected a chief. And then he, by the end he was all in, you know, now he's an LDO and off doing great things. But, um, it did a lot to heal wounds for me, man. Like, and, and it was really cool to see, but all of that happened because I was willing to have those conversations with them instead of conform to this weird, like pseudo expectation that we just bark at them. And, like <laughs> basically tell them everything they do is wrong, even when it's not my, and like not even f- have a training objective and just say that, Oh, you'll figure it out later. Oh God. Yeah. Tell them that everything they do is wrong. Even though it's not I, right. My, my mess got real tired of the word gaslighting, real tired of the word <laughs> gaslighting. Um, <laughs> explain anyway. what, explain what that means for people that. Aren't uh, okay. Gotcha. So gaslighting is basically making someone feel crazy or feel uh wrong mm-hmm. for something they know is true for example if someone looks at you and says hey that traffic light has a red yellow and green light in it right. and you look at them and be like no it doesn't those are blue orange and purple yeah and you have no idea what you're talking about that's gaslighting well and yeah and the and the person saying that it's blue orange or whatever yeah. is is an authority figure in an authority. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like yeah or yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> in our case yeah so <laughs> that's yeah. what yeah that's that's what gaslighting is gotcha. uh, and so um i took so much value from this season that just happened because i had the opportunity one to talk to that one sailor right and, yeah. and derail the train that was going down the same track i was on which I got so much satisfaction out of that. Yeah. And probably and, same thing, like probably healed some wounds for you. You know what I mean? Ha- like, oh, hands down, yeah. hands down. Yeah. Right. Because like, like that made me so confident in the, in the type of chiefing that I'm doing. Right. Right. Um, I got to, I was selected as a first year, like, like, and this is, this is the other side of the coin, right? I spent, uh, we're going on, two out like over two hours now talking about like the bad side of the coin, but Mm -hmm. there is such a good side to the chief's mess. Oh yeah. And, and you know, even with all of this animosity that I was facing, the season chairs this year came to me and were like, Hey, can you help sponsor this kid? Yeah. Don't be the primary sponsor, right? Go be a sponsor for this individual because one, it's going to be a lot of value for you. And two, you're going to bring a lot of value to them like that. Right. There was so much validation just in that small, small action. Right. And it's like, 
why are, why why is this not like not not that like it's the job of the mess or job of any command to validate anybody but why are we not operating from I a mean, more positive mindset i would say it is just in general sure it is why it, it why is it not the job of a of the navy or a command to validate somebody well because validation imply uh, well um I, before if I say you th- anything, I want to make sure. Yeah, that I was like going to say, if you think about well. it, like the some of the mechanisms that we're responsible for as leaders, like I, I I want to validate certain behaviors and invalidate others. Right. So like if, if okay. I see yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, like if I, I see, think, I think what I meant by that is like it, it's not the job of leadership in the Navy to validate all the time. That would be a more accurate. Yeah, statement. sure. Oh, right. OK, I agree with that. Um, But, you know, there was a. Have you ever read um, how to how to win friends and influence people by Dale uh, Carnegie? Yeah, I listened to it. I did the okay. book, but yes. So in that book, he quotes Charles Schwab, right? Who um, was like the big, like the big steel guy in mm-hmm. the in the early 19th century. And I'm going to butcher the quote, but basically he said, like, you know, I have talked to all of these people. I'm a global businessman in 1900. I've talked to Kings and everybody. Mm -hmm. And, um, the reason this stands out to me is because he uses the word exalted in it, in this, in the quote, I forget exactly where he does, but like, he's, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But he's like, regardless of how exalted their station is, I've never met anybody who operated better under constant critic under a spirit of criticism than they did under a spirit of approval. Right. Like we're, and this is, this is an American thing to be honest with you mm. is that like, we're constantly just telling people when they're wrong and very yeah. rarely telling right. people when they're right. Right. And I, we need to shift that. Right. Like we, <laughs> yeah, we need to start building people up. Way yeah, more than we're I tearing agree. each other down because it doesn't yeah. need, like one. If you tear somebody else down, you don't look any better. Right. And I, I think that like <sighs> defining criticism as negative in that quote, you know what I mean? Like as an example is like the, I think that's what we spend more time doing than anything else is like right tearing people down instead of building them up because criticism can be really good, but it's, it's got to be constructive and and kind of like yeah. for, like aimed at construction yeah, versus destruction. Something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's like gotta, you can't just be like, yeah, you you look like garbage, right? Okay, that's useless, right? Thank you. It's oh and, well, yeah, and that's <laughs> like a personal attack almost. Instead of saying, hey, there's a reason why uniform like maintenance is important. Like there's a reason why right. we want to look like professionals. It's because we are professionals, and here you like explaining it because I. I've had a conversation conversations like that where I've always been the uniforms guy. Like my uniforms always squared away and I'm always real anal about uniform regs. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not uh, conformance for conformance sake. It's like, just, I have a deep respect for the uniform and what it represents and the history behind it and all those things. And I had a, a couple of guys on my last submarine that I, I had c- taken a lot of time to establish a rapport with. And I had, took a lot of time to make the junior guys comfortable with trusting me with certain conversations or trusting me that like when they asked me a question, I wouldn't destroy them. I would have like an honest conversation with them. And so they asked me this, this electrician one day asked me, he goes, uh, he goes, Hey senior, why do you actually care if people have their hands in their pockets? Hmm. And I was, and I explained it to him. I'm like, I don't care that you have your hands in your pockets. I care that the uniform reg says that you're going to, 
behave a certain way in your uniform. And one of the things in there is that you can't have your hands in your pockets because it's viewed as being, you know, not professional, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's more of a, it's more of a, like the institution has collectively decided that this is the way we're going to wear our uniform. And I I almost think hands in your pockets Mm -hmm. is a bad example at this point because I've almost walked back my stance on it because I think it's, I think it's something that shouldn't even be in the uniform regs at this point because it's (laughs) an unenforceable standard and uh, who actually cares. But uh, yes, it's one of those things that it's like just anything like with uniform maintenance, it's like, it's not the the specific act of conforming to like blousing your pants or conforming to tying your boots or, or whatever, like in a way or whatever. Shining your shoes. It's yeah. yeah, it's that the your the maintenance of your uniform is like to, to me, the the why why it's important to me is that it's my way of kind of conveying a certain like respect towards what like what it represents like it it represents our past it represents our heritage it represents my my station in this organization it represents um the mess it represents submarines it re- like there's a lot of things that i feel like professionally representing is extremely important like i want all of my interactions with somebody as a submariner and as a cs and as a senior chief to to reflect a certain it like in a certain way and i want them to come away with a certain like respect for that those organizations and um warfare communities whatever and, and i feel like one of the ways that i do that is by meticulously maintaining my uniform i also think that it it is a really simple way of communicating to my juniors like this is how you carry yourself as a professional submariner and sailor and it's like i don't I don't think there's a better way to do that and get and get them to do the same thing like other than doing it. And so I don't know, like there's a lot of reasons why it's really important to me. And I, I I lean on heritage a lot where it's like, it's, it's like just my way of kind of, I don't know, like respecting the, the story that I'm a part of, you know what I mean? Like there's just too many crazy stories and like amazing figures in our past and it's like and the arguments made like i I was talking to dan about it he was the arguments made that like you look at a picture of john basalone and he would get hemmed up for his haircut (laughs) and i'm like you're you're not wrong i'm not saying that it it's always been this way but it's this way now and so my way of of like honoring them is just by conforming to those standards and, and kind of going above and beyond where, where there's room to do so. Like when I, when I would uh, wear black boots, they'd be super shiny. I don't have to do that. I just do that as like a a way of communicating that like, Hey, this is a, this is really important to me. That's, that's the thing, right? Like, and um, I I think it was my dad who told it to me when I was like real young, but like Mm -hmm. you only get one chance at a first impression. Yeah. And if, if the first impression, it doesn't matter what kind of day you had, it Mm -hmm. can be 1600 on Friday and you just got handed to Mm -hmm. by, by whoever. And if you look disheveled, whatever, that sailor who's reporting to you from high school is going to look at that and be like, that's a senior chief. Yep. Or that's a chief, right? Like, and that's, it doesn't matter how jaded and bitter and angry you are. That first impression matters to that sailor and 
even to the extent that like there are times where I looked that way after a 14 hour day, a 16 hour day where we just finished a stores load and I was humping food with my sailors and my boots would be wrecked. But the next morning when I showed up on three hours of sleep to do it again the next day at 7 a.m., my boots were shined and my uniform was starched and I looked squared away. And that meant like I remember this XO made a comment to me. We were doing like fast crews and a bunch of stuff had gone horribly wrong and we didn't go home until super late at night. And um, I left and then I had to come back uh, for some reason. And the XO is like on the pier looking like he wants to like (laughs) jump off the pier uh, never to be heard (laughs) from again. And he's just like he sees me coming. And I come back and I'm in a fresh uniform with my shined boots and I sh- cleanly shaven and ready to go. And he just like looks at me and he goes, I just like at least somebody took the time to like change their uniform and actually care. You know what I mean? And it was just like it, yeah. it made an impression on him. And like he had never he didn't even get to leave the boat because he was there trying to make it, you know, trying to get things squared away and like make things. I don't know, like do everything he could to like make make it easier for the crew. But mm-hmm. he was just like, yeah, like at least you took the time to go home and change your uniform and like shine your boots and stuff like it just made an impression on him, too. So it's like, I don't care what anyone says about whether they agree with the importance of it or not. It makes an impression, especially when you're in a leadership position. Yeah. And I think it's it's worth it to make that type of an impression consistently. You know, like it's just I don't yeah. know, a bit of a tangent. I, no, you're 100 percent right. Like I my thing is shirt stays, right? Like just yeah. choosing, oh, yeah, choosing khakis, to wear them, not yeah. to wear them. Like it's oh, my God. Every like, day. If I have to wear khakis, Ugh. I wear shirt stays every single time. Hands down. Like, yeah. it's just part just of the uniform, to. right? Yep. Yeah. And, but like, you know, whatever. I'm not going to go down that, that, that road. But <laughs> um, it, it absolutely speaks to whoever, right? Because, yeah. you know, you can get, it's those little things, right? And you never know when those little things are going to pop up. Yeah. But you better be ready to deal with them when, when they are, right? Because that's that. It, to me is what chiefs are supposed to do right? right is be ready to deal with that stuff when it pops up and if someone needs a shining example of a sailor to be on the that ship three hours after they just left after getting their butt kicked then okay i we're here for it yeah. right or and if you can't and this is the flip side of that if you can't do that you've got to be transparent in that you can't just yeah. be like yeah I'm the shining example while clearly not being the shining example. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, uh, yeah. Uh, back to, back to, you know, how the experience shaped me. I think, I think the experience made me right. And I think yeah. that it has set me up to tell a unique story to the people who need a, a unique story to be told to them. Yeah. I think there's probably, And maybe not that didn't complete acceptance, but had like a really negative experience with it. I think there, and that's one of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you about it is I think there's probably more chiefs out there than you think that had a negative experience with it because it was interpreted literally. And because the mess was playing like, you know, access control point, like, like control point watch to the clubhouse, you know, to to the treehouse or whatever. Like it was, it was that type of an evolution. I feel like that's probably happened on a large scale for a long time. And so there's probably a lot of chiefs out there that probably associate whether they admit it or not, associate some type of negative 
tone to that experience. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. And that could benefit from hearing a story like this. Cause it's just like, I, I, I've seen I too so. many different versions of the season where it's been interpreted literally. And that's why I get so frustrated with that as a concept. It's just like, how, how yeah. do you not like, this is a, a, a symbolic mechanism like, and, and how that's not understood on a large scale blows my mind. But it's also kind of like, I mean, how much time or effort is put into training people on facilitating the season? Like, and also we don't have a master course document laying down the training objectives. So how would you know? A lot of it gets diluted right. to, I'm just going to behave how all the other people are behaving because that's all the only guidance I have is watching what all the other chiefs are doing. And since none of it is, has, is generally explained well, I mean, it, not that it never happens, obviously. There's, I'm sure there's chiefs out there doing it great like always, but like broad scale painting with a, a like a large brush. I don't think a lot of it gets explained. So then you like it's almost like those me- the message has been lost and everybody's just like repeating what they saw last year, but they can't actually answer all those questions because they don't know because it was never explained. Right. So, and there's right. nowhere to go look, really. There's not like a master course document that has all the training objectives. There's not a facilitator course for the the chiefs that are running the season and the chiefs that are in sponsor roles. Like, I, I mean, why, why not? Like, why isn't there uh, like a certification process for the people facilitating the season, just like there's a f- certification process for the chiefs that are facilitating all the inlet courses that are upcoming, you know, like why isn't yeah. that an inlet course? Why isn't, which, you know, let me be really clear. The new inlet courses are fantastic. I've only heard good things. I, I really want to go monitor them, but I sent my my two C- CSS2s up to uh, an air station because that's just where it was being run. And so they said it was really great. The only thing they had trouble with was like they didn't understand some of the context provided by the Airedales that were there. They were like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Like, but other than that, yeah. there was a little bit of a disconnect based on the communities, but they said it was awesome and they got a lot out of it. And I've only heard positive reviews. So I'm really excited about that. But based on that, it's like, okay, so we have a, a course to facilitate. We have a course to certify the people that are certifying the facilitators. Then we have the course that those people run to certify the facilitators. And then the facilitators run the courses themselves that like all the different levels, beginner, intermediate, advanced, et cetera. So we have all those courses in place. We even have one for chiefs for like new chiefs to go through after the fact, not the, the CPO mm-hmm, SLC mm-hmm. stuff, but an actual course for chiefs. So why do we not then? And it may be a logical progression. Maybe it's being talked about I, again, another question I can add to the list for that guest, but it's one of those, like it, it would be really nice if they would formalize a course to certify chiefs to facilitate the chief season. And I know that'll probably yeah, be an unpo- I, like, like probably be an unpopular chairs. Yep. Probably season be an chairs opinion. need to have and sponsors training. and sponsors and sponsors. Yeah. And then and sh- it's only voluntary. Yeah. Like, and you there can't should be, be voluntold to go do it. Yeah. There should be a master course document for uh, the season that has all the training objectives yeah. signed out by the MCPON. Like, Hey, this is, these are the training objectives that have to be met and uh, kind of draw more firm lines for us to operate in. Like you have to meet all these requirements and they have to do all these things. And these are the training objectives associated with final night. And these are the training objectives associated with mess training. And, and like 
these are the things that need to be taught so that we all start from the same foundation and then, then build from there. But yeah. And, and, and again, leaving, ideal. leaving room for interpretation by especially warfare community and, and command, like there's going to be different requirements of like a command based on their mission and, and personnel and location and stuff like that. But then also like, mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like warfare community plays a large role in how you're, go- especially how you're going to shape like uh, heritage stuff and how you're going to shape um, the real life application of, of an LCPO's job. Like there's good, it's going to be different based on the warfare community you're in. And Nick made a really like, gr- like illustrated that in a really good way for me based on what they do in the EOD community is going to vary quite a bit, but also, in a way not, you know, and so there's going to be a lot of, a lot of parallel stuff, but then there's going to be some branching off that is going to make the ownership and buy-in for that community way better. Like I want EOD, EOD people to be talking about EOD heritage. <laughs> like I want, right. not that the rat chief heritage isn't important also, but I want them to focus on that. On submarines, we're going to talk about submarine medal of honor winners. We're going to talk about Henry Brialt and like, we're going to talk about the Wahoo and the Tang and you know what I mean? So it's like, and I don't mm-hmm. expect that to necessarily be talked about in like the FMF community of hospital corpsmen. I expect you to be talking about hospital corpsmen stuff and, and right. Marine Corps stuff, right? Like things that are, are relevant to your community and that it's important that they understand that heritage because it is. And yeah, I mean, for sure, for sure. Who? Yeah, man, think- dude, uh, go ahead. No, I, I think I was probably just about to say the same thing you were. I think logical, a, a uh, yeah, logical conclusion, yeah. Like, yeah. and we do, we can definitely do this again. I'll talk to you a little bit offline about what I think that'll look like, but uh, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. This was very cool. I uh, I enjoyed this conversation a lot, and I think it'll benefit a lot of, particularly new chiefs. But uh, I think it'll resonate with a lot of chiefs out there that may or may not have e- either seen or experienced personally like a negative acceptance process and kind of might get some lessons out of, uh, out of your experience with it and some of the things. I hope so. so. I hope so. I hope, I hope that, you know, whoever, whoever this is resonating with, right. Um, odds are that you're feeling a certain kind of way about there, there inherently, there's a little bit of personal value and personal self-worth that is tied to how the mess views you, right? That's right. just the way that the mess is built. Sure. And so you might be feeling a little bit less valuable than, you know, some other chief that didn't have these acceptance issues or whatever. Um, but if my example of how I helped that select through this season is, is any indication, mm-hmm. Your val like the value is just different. Yeah. It's right? not necessarily it's not higher, less. but it's definitely different and concentrated. And it's like the effect you got to have on that guy, like I mean, that's why we do this, man. Like to yeah. talk talk about another version of job satisfaction that's any better. Like I I, I don't know what yeah. it is. I don't know what yeah. it looks like, but there yeah, was so there was so yeah. yeah that's yeah. what it's and about. I just, man. I just hope that like you, you know, gain understand that the level of chiefing that you're doing or the type of chiefing you're doing, if you're giving it everything you got, that's good enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I really want people to walk away with that. Don't, don't, 
sit here and let people say you're not allowed in the clubhouse because, and that, that, that somehow is a, a example of, or, or a representation of how good or bad you are yeah. as a leader. That's yeah. ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and again, I'll link the acceptance episode to d- help define uh, what acceptance actually mm-hmm. is and what it should mean. And even though that gets fumbled in certain organizations and such, but yeah, yeah man, sure. thanks again. I appreciate your time. No problem. Anytime. Yeah. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, had a really good time talking to him. We had talked previously on the phone, uh, just kind of about the same thing we did on the podcast and just working through some of that. And, and I think that the story in and of itself was great. I think there's a lot of value in it. And I think the discussion about all of like the different things in regards to uh, it's not just chief stuff. It's just how we develop leaders in the Navy, I think is, is extremely valuable. Um, I spent a lot of time in the chief realm because it's my context. It's, it's what I do for a living, (laughs) but it's not, it, it obviously isn't limited to just me. It's, it's, this is, this community is where, enlisted people end is somewhere at the, in the chief ranks, uh, unless they progress like into an officer session program somewhere throughout their career, but you end up in leadership and it's extremely important to me. And I think extremely important to the organization for us to have the types of conversations regarding our leadership development processes and, and how it can go wrong when it does go wrong. What are the lessons we can pull from it and how do we kind of prevent from meeting those pitfalls in the future. So uh, really great conversation. Really happy I got to have him on and you'll hear more from him. Uh, he'll definitely be around in some other projects that we're already talking about. So pumped for that. Um, if you need anything from us, as always, hit us up. Don't give up the show podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the show podcast. Or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit at DGS Podcast or just DGS Podcast on Reddit. We've got subs there too, active on our Navy. So check all that out. And then uh, if you want to support us at all, we have a store, uh, dguestpodcast.com slash shop. Uh, we got t-shirts, pins, stickers, stuff like that. Uh, it's just a not-for-profit. It's a very much a pay-the-bills <laughs> type of thing. So you get something f- from it, and then it helps us pay all the subscription fees and all the costs of continuing to do this thing. It's not free. <laughs> not just not in my time. You're not paying for me for my time. The Navy already pays me for that. So, uh, yeah. So that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. 